0: Welcome everyone to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, and joining me for the special movie discussion is David. Hello, I'm
1: here because Gotham needs me.
0: <laughs> Gotham does require a scrawny bag of vengeance. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's, what's That's what I needed. Yep. <laughs> yes. Welcome. We are going to talk about the Batman, a big new release. Obviously, it's just over a week or so old now at this point, but we decided to wait so that I could talk to David about it and not just sit here on my own. So we're going to have an in-depth discussion. We'll start spoiler-free. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers, and we'll we'll get into it now. Just for context, if you've just stumbled onto this video on YouTube without knowing anything about the channel or the sister channel to this comics of the multiverse. Big DC Comics fan, big Batman fan, do a DC Comics podcast. Um, David is someone who actually helps out on the Comics from the Multiverse channel where that podcast gets posted. So Mm -hmm. both coming at this from a a comic-heavy influence
1: perspective. And also do my own DC Comics podcast on said channel as well. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure,
0: yes. Whatever. (laughs) Yes, yes. David does a show where he tortures himself by reading the New 52. Uh... (laughs) Yeah. that's something you could check out uh but this is uh, you know this is a big deal because this we we obviously had the christopher nolan films which came out between 2005 and 2012 and the fact that it's been 10 years since dark Knight rises is making me feel ancient if i'm honest (laughs) but it's been a while since we'd had a dedicated batman film obviously we had batman v superman and we had batfleck in the justice league movie yes uh the just to give you some perspective here, I think Christopher Nolan's trilogy is fantastic and is one of the, the main benchmarks of what all superhero or comic book movies should be aspiring to, and I think Zack Snyder's films are complete trash. So just to put that on the table up front, just in case anyone thinks where I stand
1: on this. I can't I can't argue with anything you're saying, but uh-huh. I'm not going to allow myself to be quoted as that. Because I'm afraid of Zack Snyder's fanboys, so... <laughs> and please don't go watch the Snyder Cut review either. That that wasn't me. That was someone else. That's right. You were on that.
0: You, you, I you, was on that. You've talked about some Zack Snyder stuff before. That's yep. right. That's right. Uh, so, not a fan of his Batman. Not necessarily because of Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. but just because of how that Batman was written, some of his actions and attitude... Uh, straight-up murdering people left and right, things like that. You know, I'm a Batman fan who cares about that. (laughs) So uh, Matt Reeves, who directed this film, uh, has directed a couple of films that are, you know, so-so, but he did go on to direct Dawn and War for the Planet of the Apes, which are two of the best modern science fiction films, and were a big reason why I was very optimistic about this going into it. Uh, it wasn't because it was still a movie with Batman slapped on the title. It was because, no, there's a good creator here, a good director who I actually kind of trust now to make something. And I was optimistic because of that. But I would never say I got super hyped in the way that I used to. I think the days of me getting super hyped up for a comic book movie are kind of gone. Like, it's,
1: I'm, it's, yeah. it's old now. I'm over it. I'm too jaded. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much the same on that boat. Um, because I pick up physical comics constantly, for the past at least two months, DC has done nothing but back cover of all their stuff, just The Batman. Yeah, yeah. And interviews with The Batman. And honestly, at a certain point, I was almost tired of it. I was like, all right, fine, we get it. You got a movie coming out. Like, I hope it's good that you're putting all this in there. But it wasn't like I was pumped to go see it. Like, I was like, the advertising was just like, oh my God, it's coming out in March. That's so exciting. I was like, all right, well, whatever happens, happens. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have seen it as soon as I did if it wasn't for the fact of you asking for someone to help record this with. And I'm happy I did to not bury the lead of this, but it's it's something that I was willing to put off until much later down the line just for the sake of having an empty theater to go see it in. Oh, sure. I mean, for me even,
0: I, I was willing to wait a week or two at least until things were just a bit quieter. And Mm -hmm. the only reason why I ended up going on release day is because those reviews came in, like the rotten tomatoes score, like was sky high, and it was like, oh, this is actually as good as the name Matt Reeves would suggest it could have been, and Mm -hmm. I really want to see it now. I got really excited, and but yeah, it was only that last couple of days before it came out. I was excited. It was it was after the reviews. It was it was when here, this is actually good. Like, be excited. It was like, oh, now I'm excited because there's
1: quality. Uh, Once I saw the reviews come in, I was pretty hyped about it. But what really sold me was actually just, like, maybe two hours before I went to go see it. I went to my local comic shop, and I talked to the guy. I was like, hey, I'm going to see Batman in a couple hours. He's like, oh, well, here's the thing. I hate Batman. I think he's overexposed (laughs) like crazy. But that is possibly the second best Batman movie of all time. He put it just beneath Dark Knight. But that coming from him, from the guy who, like, knows his stuff, I was... I was actually like, "Oh, okay, this is this is something."
0: Yeah, this could be interesting. So, yeah, you know, just before we get into the movie itself, like it comes back to something. I think I, I've you know, comic book readers. I think at least a lot of the smarter ones for a long time have been saying. I know you. You obviously have preferences for certain characters and certain teams and stuff. You know, maybe like Batman, maybe like Superman, maybe like the Flash, maybe like Spider Man, whatever. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, when it comes to reading comic books, you're, you're probably better off in terms of actually finding good comics to read by following the creators rather than the characters because it's ultimately the creators that make those stories good. So you follow a Tom Taylor to whatever character he's writing because you like his writing. And that tends right. to be... You know, not that the writers can't go down in quality or whatever, but that tends to be more consistent. It's more of a an expectation gauge than is just the character being the character. Obviously, you hope they're going to do another good oh, Batman yeah. run or so on, but... Uh, and I think I would sort of take that from the comics and say that applies to the movies. And not just because this is a comic book movie, I think in general, follow the directors, follow the people who are making the movies rather than just, oh, it says Ghostbusters on the <laughs> right. on the poster or it <laughs> says whatever, you know, it says right. Star Wars. Star, I mean, Star Wars is a great example because people have, that's been so up and down in quality because of just inconsistency and pandering to fan desires and things
1: like that. Yeah. I mean, but that's also, if you even look at the Star Wars things, you could have people who definitely enjoy things like J.J. J. Abrams or oh, sure Johnson stuff. But, I mean, those movies didn't work strictly because of corporate meddling and whatnot. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, you, you can like so it, a... is, it. Yeah, it is allowing the artist, whoever is involved with yeah. it, to be themselves at the same there, there, time.
0: There are other factors. Like, yes, you might like the director, but if the studio, say, interferes and stops the director from doing what they want, then... Mm-hmm. you might lead to a position where oh i like this director but this ended up being a bad movie anyway like that's totally possible yeah. but mm-hmm. uh best case scenario though the director gets to make the movie the way you make and they're a fit for the the, the property uh mm-hmm. you know and that sounds really called cool, a property i hate saying that because you know i want to care more than just referring to it as a the ip the ip yes uh but that's what that's what you're hoping for you're hoping for a good creator on something good and that leads us to the batman which you know and I knew Batman movie as an event it's actually really funny to think that uh, when Batman Begins came out in 2005 Mm. uh, a movie that made me fall in love again with the character that made that started me reading comic books I would not have read a single comic book if it wasn't for Batman Begins (laughs) so that movie means a lot to me it's not even my favorite in the trilogy but it means a lot to me because it it, it started all that Uh, but it's, it's funny to think that when that came out it only did middling, you know, in terms of box office. It didn't make a ton of money. It took a while for them to greenlight a sequel. And I think yeah. what's so funny, though, is people who think, oh, Batman's everywhere, they release a 100 Batman comics, they'll put Batman in every movie, is that it's actually Christopher Nolan's trilogy, in a lot of ways, that gave him that, that pedestal, that, that gave oh, him yeah. that, that stance where he is that big of a character now where you can't really fail. Comp- I mean, maybe you won't make his gargantuan amounts of money if it's not mm-hmm. as good a movie, but you can't really completely fail with a Batman movie really now.
1: No, I can't. I genuinely could not imagine a world in which a solo Batman movie does not break some sort of record on opening yeah. weekend, regardless of how it's received. It's going to break some record somehow. And this movie is the first movie for
0: Warner Brothers. It's had a $100 million weekend and I think it was five years. The, the last mm-hmm. two don't really count for obvious reasons. But still, the fact that they... they, they, After Wonder Woman and It in 2017, they had no 100 million opening weekends. And then Mm -hmm. Batman does it when... We're still, you know, like... Only a couple of things have done it now. As we're sort of getting... (laughs) Not out of the pandemic, but we're sort of at least pretending we're out of the pandemic. We're allowing theatres to open back up again. So, it's it's interesting that, of course, Batman does that. And Mm -hmm. here we are. Uh, So... It's performing very well. I think the one of the things that shocked me uh, just, b- just before we get to the the movie content itself is mm-hmm. I, I assume it's the same in the US where the, the 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 film's age rating certificate will come up before the movie starts, and our age ratings, of course, aren't PG thirteen and R rating. Mm. They're um, the relevant ones anyway are twelve, fifteen, and eighteen, and they it, it just corresponds to the age in need to see it. I yeah. was shocked that this this came up saying fifteen because typically hmm. speaking superhero movies don't aren't 15s they are 12s yeah because they match pg-13 that, that's basically it but this and it was like i knew it looked a bit darker but this was like oh this actually may be quite dark relatively mm-hmm. speaking because it's got a 15 and i was so pleased they didn't try and edit it down for like the various markets to get the age rating down
1: yeah i i I mean for us at least in the theaters i go in it doesn't actually show right before the movie. Mm. Um. But, yeah, I'm assuming this was R-rated. I, I Just from remembering well, it, I have to assume it was. I don't it think wasn't. it was. No, it was PG-13. Yeah, PG-13. That's incredible. That's it, just... Ooh, all right. That's the MPAA deciding on some different things now. It's just a,
0: because, time, it's a time thing. I swear, yeah. 20 years ago, there's no way this would have got PG-13.
1: Oh, no, not at all. Honestly, though, I feel like... Wasn't, wasn't it a thing of, like... I think it was Temple of Doom? Was that the one? Indiana Jones? Then that like caused PG13 to be a thing. Yeah,
0: because it was either a G or an R rating and they went we need th- right. or a PG or an R rating. We need something in the middle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's almost been like a horseshoe where that seemed really gruesome and then for a while their PG13 was fart jokes and now it's back to <laughs> all right, we can handle a little bit more here. Yeah, that's I mean, very it,
0: interesting. It definitely pushes it as far as it can probably go. Oh, yeah. I I imagine. Cuz uh, cuz cause, cause most PG13s like I say are a 12 in the UK right hmm. uh, at least in recent times if you go back to like the 90s when they were more strict in the UK it did veer towards a 15 and our rating was almost always an 18 whereas now i'd say most PG13s are 12s and most our ratings are 15s and there's the rare like extreme film that's an 18 but it's right. it, you know it's but it's something that is proper violent and sadistic or really sexual or something like that but for the most right. part you're you're looking at 15 yeah. um so that was surprising. It was just, there was a shock when it came up. That was like, the, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, the reason why I'm even putting it here at the start, I know people are probably like, talk about the movie already. But it was just, this was my experience of going to see it, is that I got to that and I was like, oh, shit. And I, like all of a sudden there was this flood of, all right, okay. What, yeah. you, got, what you got,
1: Reeves? <laughs> Give it to me. I, get, I guess if they showed the ratings before the movies, I would actually be on the flip side of that. Of, sure, oh, yeah. This movie, which has been pumped out as this sort of like, actual sort of scary batman movie something that's actually like realistic and grim and dark is only a pg-13 <laughs> okay yep 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 so yeah so like i say we're starting
0: spoiler free uh yes. so we'll, we'll get to general impressions you know we kind of implied that a little bit so you definitely implied it but uh what's your general feelings on the batman
1: i mean i definitely i can't fault it for pretty much anything it did it was it was great the whole way through um, I, I, of course, have little, you know, small nitpicks here or there, things that got to me as a comic reader and then things that they did specifically for me as a comic reader. But in terms of just as a movie, ignoring the comic backdrop to it at all, it was fantastically made. And I feel like the one thing that, to just tell anybody who doesn't care about any, anything past this point, it's a three hour movie. And for me personally, I could feel it was long. I, I didn't feel it was too long, but I felt it was long, but looking back on it at the end, I could not think of a single scene or a single segment throughout the entire movie that could be cut without ripples throughout the entire. movie. Yeah. All of it was necessary the whole way through. I can name so, one. I- okay Okay.
0: but we'll save that for spoilers (laughs) deep in in the spoiler territory but i can Mm -hmm. name one that i would have at least put in the mid credits because it felt like it should have been separate but
1: (gasps) okay well yes anything anything in the epilogue section yeah that could be
0: shuffled around but yeah for all the plot relevant beats absolutely uh i I think (laughs) it's so fascinating obviously we're going to compare it to the known films at some point Mm -hmm. later on we'll do that but It's so fascinating to have a different creative voice also make a good Batman, and it is a great Batman movie. It is great in many ways. It feels distinct from the Nolan films. It does, Mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of overlap in some of its ideals because it's still ultimately Batman. He still still does not kill. He still does not use guns. Um, Mm -hmm. You can assume that a lot of the reasons why he uses the bat symbol and the iconography are the same reasons more or less that they were pre- presented in batman begins you just sort of you shuffle a little bit you kind of you know you, right. you mold it to fit but you assume it's a lot of the same things a- and it treats the symbol with a lot of the same reverence but the way it handles things i mean just to put it this way like the, the film not the opening scene there's like a little teaser scene that's more to do with the villains but the opening sequence after that point it starts with narration and every cut co- almost every comic book you read has a character, the main character narrating in some form or another. Batman does oh, yeah. it a lot. And this might be the first time that a comic movie has actually just done it. Where, and it, so- it, it, it sounds like year one narration boxes because he starts mm. off by saying the date. He's like, October 31st. You know, it is like, the city's, you know, whatever. <laughs> and he starts talking, and I'm like, and the mood, the character, it, just, it felt, like a, a genuine attempt at capturing the feel of a dark and gritty batman comic but a batman comic yeah. uh, on screen like i really felt that um and i think on the one hand it is grounded and gritty but on the other hand there's some things that felt more comic booky to me than the known films it kind of depends on which stuff you're talking about there's some stuff that because i'm not gonna yeah. lie i could see them throwing like a mr freeze in a sequel and it not feeling out of place in this
1: no, I mean I could see I could see a lot of villains actually coming up. There's a few that are just a bit too outlandish that I don't think would really work, but they laid and not to spoil anything, but they laid a lot of seeds Y'all for sure. a lot of different avenues they could take in future sequels. Absolutely. So, um yeah, I mean and I don't I don't I mean maybe I missed something. I don't recall a Mr. Freeze. No, it wasn't. But no, no. But, but no, that is you're right. It is someone who just Based off of the world they built, it is completely possible for that to show up. And just to go off of your comparisons to the Nolan trilogy, I feel that yes, there are, it is more grounded and real. There are some comic book moments to it. But I feel that the biggest difference between this movie and the entirety of the Nolan trilogy is that even at Nolan's. Darkest and grimmest moments. It still had more polish to it than this Batman's world did. This is a completely rough-edged, like it's a city with actual yeah people in it. It's a steampunk, more looking or
0: feeling world. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the big improvements to compare it because because that's the thing. I think if you compare this to the Nolan films, I think they both do what they're setting out to do extremely well, and. Mm -hmm some of those things may appeal to you more depending on what type of batman fan you are one thing that i would i think would be a genuine critique of those films and i love all three of them would be oh the city doesn't really have much character whereas in this film the city yeah. does feel like a character and you get locations i mean i i, I don't know what yeah. i could tell you when they said that the words iceberg lounge that the, the the pop <laughs> i had in my head of like just nerding out because it was like oh they're finally doing the iceberg lounge because that's where penguin like hosts, mm-hmm. like illegal club or well legal on the surface but illegal shit underneath right, right? uh like that sort of stuff. and sure it wasn't like on a, a a little floating island and it was didn't look like a the fortress of solitude yeah. but <laughs> uh, that's okay
1: that's okay we can make it more grounded um, i mean for me personally the moment that the city came to life for me was almost practically at the very beginning yeah um, i agree yeah was that there was a scene of there was a fight scene to preempt it but then it was just a scene of. Uh, Bruce Wayne just driving his motorcycle through the equivalent of basically Times Square, but it all has, like, cobblestone. They focus that he's driving over a cobblestone road instead of actual pavement. I'm like, that's such a small little thing that could go completely unnoticed, but they focused on it, and they gave more character to just this city as a whole.
0: Yeah, and it's a focus thing as well. It's, It's Bruce talking about the city and describing it in this way where he, he i mean yeah you he could make fun of him and say he's been a bit broody and talking about the city and how he's <laughs> in the shadows and all the rest of it but it really mm. does give it this character that i i think if you compare it to the Nolan films that that's something that this has against those um because mm. i think you know if i was to say what each one of them do on a broad stroke i would say nolan's films are about ideology and they are so good like i i always recommend this but i think one of the best discussions i've ever had on this sh- on youtube was me and Cora reviewing, we did all three, but we reviewed The Dark Knight, and we just had this discussion about the Batman and Joker in those movies were about battling ideologies and how it was a great f- epic about that, and why it's part of the reason why that film is so good is because that depth is there. Here, It's not that there's no ideology, but I would describe this as much more of a character film because this movie is about Batman's arc. He has an arc where he learns something and he he learns something about the influence he's having on the world, about what him being Batman in this Gotham and what it's doing. There's a lesson to be learned. There's a good message from that, not just for him, but for the audience as well, about the modern world and about how we uh, engage in celebrity, how we engage in ideas and thoughts and extremism and things like that right so and i think both of them are extremely good at what they're doing which is you know because I, I think there's a knee-jerk reaction whenever there's a new version of out for anyone who had a problem with the previous thing to shit on it and say oh we said those were shit and then, then we got this great example and it proves <laughs> that was shit i right. think they are both exceptional at what they're setting out to do and they set mm-hmm. up, sit side by side for me as far as ranking them together and saying where do they default with each other is this
1: better than one two or all three of the other like i that's so hard i I mean, like you're saying, it's it's they're doing different things. They're practically apples to oranges. Of how do you really compare? Yes, it's the same character, but it's two completely different ways of approaching it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a very amateurish Batman who isn't great at everything. He he does get hit. He does make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got things to learn. As, as much as it is, it, they say it's not an origin, and it isn't because it doesn't over-explain how he became Batman oh, yeah. or anything. The arc he has in this is still very much that of an arc. I'd say it's an early coming-of-age Batman story and that he has to still learn a lot about what he's going to be as Batman in this film, uh, even though he's already in a bat suit and he's already calling himself Batman and, and so yeah. on. So there's a lot of that going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, just... I would say that this movie is... They don't explicitly say that it is what it is, but this felt like Batman's first foray into super villainy oh for sure whereas yeah. everything up to this point has been the year one style like mobsters and drug runners and stuff like that whereas this is the first time that he's going up against an actual super villain and that's what's really testing his metal. yeah
0: of- the, the, the key things that are already set up when the movie starts is that he's been operating for two years he's already formed some kind of relationship with Gordon to the point where there is a bat signal although it's not on top of the police station it's at like a sort of mm-hmm. it's like a different location um the other cops don't really feel comfortable that gordon works with batman that's not something that they like about him so yeah that's you know that's there at play uh and you know they, he's just referred to as a vigilante known as the batman uh and the movie does a great job of showing how he is sort of inspiring some fear in the criminals like mm-hmm. i mean if nothing else the opening 10 minutes of this movie are basically perfection as a oh, batman yeah. fan definitely
1: like it's said that one scene i was talking about with the cobblestone streets if you watch everything up to that point yeah it's it's a perfect little batman short film just all on its own yeah perfect but what's so
0: good mm-hmm. is that some of the stuff that's set up in that opening chunk is paid off with the final sort of parts of the arc right at the very end of the film which is mm-hmm. you know all ties it together it's also beautiful because of that um so much like you i have very little to really complain about all than one scene that i didn't like but that's a very specific case that's separate from the rest of the film and yeah. i will say yeah maybe a couple of nitpicky things maybe there's a couple of you know because we are even though we're not doing the origin again there is definitely one or two like speeches or monologues that i kind of felt like you know how when amazing spider-man came out and mm-hmm. they had to redo the origin of spider-man And they wanted to do Uncle Ben dying again. And there's a moment in that movie where uh, Martin Sheen has to Mm. effectively give the with great power comes great responsibility speech, but they're avoiding him actually (gasps) saying that line because they want it to be different. But he still has to fit in the word responsibility. So he's kind of talking around it. (laughs) Mm. Right? It's It's not as bad as that, but there is like one or two scenes in this where like Catwoman's giving a speech or Alfred's giving a speech and it's like, I feel like you're effectively making the same point that happened in one of the other Batman movies, but you're just you're trying really hard to not phrase it the same way. Uh, I I, I felt that just just a smidge. Just
1: I mean, as best as I can remember, nobody ever with their dying breath said Martha. So (laughs) (laughs) that is for that.
0: That, No, no, and we never saw pearls fall to the ground. So that's a plus. That's a plus. I mean,
1: I mean, yes, it is. It's the it's the question of yeah. There have been, if you count Adam West as one, there have been like four or five good reboots of Batman since his inception of like major cinematic releases. So, if you're going based off all that, eventually at a certain point, yeah, just because the character has to exist as the character is you're going to be saying the exact same things over and over again. And yeah, it, it, it's a question of whether or not you even bother, whether or not you even try to say that same thing again. I mean, For if, instance, in, well, in this movie, we, like you said, we don't get the actual moment itself. We don't get crime alley. We don't get the Wayne's mm-hmm. dying, like in front of Bruce, same sort of thing in uh, MCU, the last Spider-Man that popped up. They just didn't bother. They didn't bother showing the uncle Ben scene. They just, skip by it because they figure everybody already knows that point so it's a matter of do you bother to try to do those moments and like the big things or do you take the lessons learned from that moments and apply them to other things for the spider-man going back to that all of the uncle ben lessons were then just pushed onto tony stark 100 percent but for this one, uh, you're saying that you felt like Catwoman was saying the same lines, or that Alfred was saying the same lines, and yeah, it's entirely possible, but it's... It's still those character moments that have to be done because that's who the character is. Oh, for sure. I'm
0: not... So, like, I'm not even complaining, per se, but I, I hmm. almost, like, feel like, in, in some ways, just say the same things again. Don't, don't dance around it. It's okay. Like, it's still Batman, sure. it's still Catwoman saying the same speech, respectively. <laughs> uh, thank you for that
2: sorry
0: (laughs) uh like like that's okay that's totally okay i honestly my my solution to this is simple uh well not not this particular problem but just to to spin this out into them not doing the origin but they sort of accepting that a certain amount of it is a standard thing that you just always have to assume when you're seeing a batman movie or with Man, the uncle ben stuff or so and so on Mm -hmm. um is some movies open up with some text just like explaining the world just do that for this just have a bit of text like and not not a long time so that it's like frustrating for everyone just something that sets the mm-hmm. tone where you just have a black screen you have white text the first sentence is uh when he was a child bruce wayne's parents were murdered in front of him in crime alley he grew up to become the batman right that's all you need to say right and for anyone yeah. in the audience who doesn't happen to just know that basic part of batman there it is you got it in a second it doesn't waste time it's just there
1: yeah, I mean I would say I think we're probably at the point with Superman now of if they ever try to reboot Superman again, you could just literally do the All-Star Superman that first page. Sure. Yeah. Doom planets whatever whatever. Just done and just do it in that text box and that Yeah, I could see that working entirely, but it does come to a line of what is the audience willing to accept? in terms of, oh, well, they're just going to tell us this? What about show don't tell, guys? Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I think I see your point, and I think that for us personally, it would be something good. I mean, I could tell you firsthand, uh, I brought my girlfriend along to see this, who is not into comic books at all. She knows nothing. She never saw the Nolan trilogy. She knows nothing about that. And she had no idea how Bruce Wayne's parents died. Like, she picked up what the movie said, that they did die, we have spoilery means, but she had no clue about any of, like, the Crime Alley stuff or any of that. So there is a...
0: Honestly, that's almost impre- as impressive as someone not knowing who know. uh, Luke Skywalker's father is. Like, honestly, yeah. it's, it's that impressive.
1: This is <laughs> one of those things you go through life and you're like, wait a minute, hold on. What? But no, yeah, it was... Um, I I just talked to her afterwards, and I was like, okay, so do you understand why he became Batman? It's like, yeah, I think his parents died at some point, right? (laughs) I was like, yeah, okay, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think if someone snarkily goes, well, but you don't tell, I mean, that's a bad faith take, because this is not the plot of the movie. This is just some general background so that everyone understands. If they don't know who Batman is, this is Mm -hmm. the the simple fundamentals of why he's Batman. There's four or five sentences that just appear... 'Cause i uh, you know it would feel like a big deal. You just end up with saying that's how you became the Batman and then you just go into the movie from there. And like yeah. it, it would it would be like thirty seconds of, of text or whatever, and it would get it all out the way and no one, and this is not a problem for us. We know why he's Batman. I'm I'm saying mm-hmm. for people like your girlfriend who who would just so, need a little bit of context.
1: So question for it, then yeah. uh in this movie specifically, we see that Robert Patton's Batman keeps a journal keeps a diary like his Mm. narration at the beginning is his what he's putting in this journal do you think to just have a character have alfred or something at some point flip back to the first page and we get literally that said out loud do you think that would serve the same purpose
0: (sighs) execution is important there because i could i could see Mm. that reading is very cheesy or feeling very forced I could also see it working depending on how it's phrased. But okay. um I I'm just thinking of a standard thing that you could put you could put the start of this one, you could put the start of the second movie. You could put mm-hmm. you, you could put the start of everyone. It could it could just be a, it could be the My Name is Hal Jordan and I'm Green Lantern of Sector two eight one four. You start every
1: Green Lantern movie with yeah, that sense. Literally you just yeah. want in a comic book movie the equivalent of a recap page. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. On that. But <laughs> just for the origin,
0: you don't have to necessarily go into it. I mean maybe you could for the sequel do a little bit of what was in the first movie just to why not? You know? you know in this case yeah. Bat- batman took on the riddler and blah blah blah, blah. and just, just a simple one sentence two sentence summary just to set us all up and even if you've seen the first movie you'd be kind of like oh this has put me in the mood because it's just giving me a little taste of what the last movie was and yeah here we are I can do it. uh you know i'm not a big fan of the remy spiderman films but i did think it was quite smart how they sort of recapped the previous films and the opening titles of two yeah. and three
1: that was a smart little idea yeah, I mean, but that is also just a trend in movies. I'm pretty sure since, like, Nolan's stuff, where just opening credits aren't really oh, yeah. a
0: thing. Yeah, that's not a thing. He's never... I think he had maybe them on Memento. Oh, mm-hmm. I think he had them in Insomnia, but I think ever since Batman Begins, he's just never done that. They're always yeah. at the
1: end, though, the opening titles. But I feel like that's a lot of movies have inherited that ever yeah. since then, of just, like, let's get the production logos and then yeah move on. They
0: just want to get started. They want people to just be... Into the movie mm-hmm. immediately to sort of capture people's attention. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to just, to just talk about more stuff in the movie than uh, the, yeah. the the broad stuff here. Um, let's start with Batman. Let's start with the the costume, the car, like all that stuff. The performance, mm-hmm. uh, those general ideas. It's funny if you told me ten years ago that this uh, Twilight kid's <laughs> going to be Batman. <laughs> my reaction, I I I would have probably been embarrassing my reaction to that if you uh, said okay, that yeah. to me ten years ago.
1: I mean. I'm right there with you, just in terms of the. I hadn't. I know that Robert Pattinson has hit up the not particularly indie scene, but the more artsy films since Twilight. He's been more picking and choosing of which stuff he wants to do. The last thing that I saw him in was Tenet, which I thought he was great in, but it because it was Nolan just rewriting how time works it was just a whole bunch of throwing out concepts more so than acting so it was hard to tell who he was really in it did you see the lighthouse though i did not i did not manage to catch the lighthouse and that's one of those artsy films i know he was fantastic in there's definitely acting in that film Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah when i saw when i saw this announcement come up i'm like all right i know he has the chops just from what i've heard i know that he's been in all these other films and he has these abilities to do so. But I still hadn't seen him do anything that seemed like Batman to me. So when he when he showed up and he started doing his thing and he started beating up criminals and whatnot, I won't say that it came immediately. I don't think that it was an initial thing of, okay, I see him beating up the criminals, therefore he's immediately Batman. But I think it was somewhere around after the first... Uh, victim of the Riddler that when he spent some time as Bruce Wayne as well, Mm. I really did pick up on okay, no, he is managing to pull this off. He is able to get both sides of the character down. And even when he's Bruce I could still feel that like inner rage turmoil sort of thing that a lot of times people just don't continue. Like a lot of, I I don't want to downsize any particular actor, but I do feel like that Especially for the eighties to nineties Batman movies, they had such a line between Bruce and Batman, where it was just completely separate characters. Nolan's was a little bit closer, and I honestly I couldn't tell you Batfleck. I had the, <laughs> I guess. If you can consider what he was doing as yeah. being separate. But when it came down to this, it felt like he Bruce does consider or I guess I should say Robert, does consider the two to be separate characters in terms of it's always Batman underneath and Bruce is just the part he's playing over top of it.
0: Absolutely, because it goes back to uh, Kill Bill, right? The speech in Kill Mm -hmm. Bill, where Bell gets this wrong for the record, right? But but Bell famously gets this speech wrong where he talks about Superman and he says his speech that he gives in Kill Bill, which is a fantastic film. I love Kill Bill a little bit, Mm -hmm. but... He volume it, two to be specific that's yeah i mean i love the whole thing i always think of it as one movie yeah. to be honest but yeah this is in that's volume fair. two uh he gives this speech about superman where he talks about superman's unique among superheroes because superman's who he really is in clark kent's the disguise it's his critique in the human race and he's completely wrong right superman is right. way more nuanced than that but what's interesting about that and the reason why i bring it up is because what he actually says is much much closer to batman because hmm. batman As Batman, yeah, it's not the name he was given, sure. But fundamentally, the the man who wants to wage war on crime and is obsessed with doing that, that is who he really is. And any Hmm. sort of billionaire playboy that he does in public is an act. You know, is putting on the show for the cameras.
1: Right, but that's the one thing for Robert Pattinson's that I will give a credit for is I don't think he ever does the playboy. Oh, I don't think at any point in this movie he actually ever bothers to play up Bruce. Oh Lane. no,
0: he, he doesn't because I don't think that it's, that personality exists yet. Yeah, no. I think that's all point of the movie largely is that he's he's not ready to do that. yet. Mm-hmm.
1: so he's still living one hundred percent in bat mode. And yeah. I'm, I think there's a line early on where it is him just trying to justify to Alfred like, no, I I don't need Bruce Wayne. I'm Batman, like yeah. all the time. I would be if I could be. And, you know, that was part of a story beat in
0: the Nolan trilogy as well. Alfred would try mm-hmm. to convince Bruce, you know, you have to, like, per- you know, from, from a, a public perspective, you have to honor your family lane because you know, Bruce didn't care about the party that he was throwing for, you know, right. for his parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, again, idea was brought up in those movies. I think in this movie, it's much more realized in his performance and much more realized than kind of the overall aesthetic because I feel mm-hmm. like come Batman 2, or whatever it's going to be called, we're going to probably see his Bruce Wayne like, public persona that he's maybe going to start putting on at some point. Yeah. It would, you know, it would make mean, a lot I of could, sense.
1: I could certainly, depending on what side of story they want to go to, uh, again, spoilers for one of the seeds they do. I won't bring it up. But just because of a certain character who may be coming back, I feel like the concept of who Bruce Wayne is is definitely going to be something mm-hmm. that could lead to a major plot point.
0: Yeah, and you said for you there was a moment somewhere a third into the movie or something where you said you mm-hmm. know he's it, he's being Batman. There's a very specific moment fairly early on for me where I went holy mm-hmm. shit that's a that's Batman it's a Batman that I don't feel like I've ever seen on okay. screen before. And there it was it was a very like poignant moment for me where it just kind of hit me that they've never done that type of moment with a Batman. And it, it kind of part of it comes from the fact that I feel like Pattinson in the cowl does show a lot more. Personality with his eyes, there's a lot more emotion oh, yeah. coming through from mm-hmm. him. Um there's definitely you get the sadness of Batman at times from him, and it was mm-hmm. one of those moments that kind of hit me. I'll get specific in spoilers, but uh really, really good stuff. And it felt unique as well because I felt like this Batman movie was ex- excelling at things that other Batman movies had yet to bother even trying. And I think that's yeah. what kind of made it feel kind of special from a comic book fan perspective, where I'm like Oh, this is nailing elements that not for, for whatever reason, no other movies tried to do up until this point. And it mm-hmm. was it was hitting them. And I was like, oh, this feels great to, to get these in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you think about the uh the outfit?
1: I it took me until the end of that first fight scene. Because that sure. was just to just to go off of what you were saying in terms of he was really laying into different things with Batman. Like Nolan's Batman, they spent the whole thing of him training with the League of Shadows and the whole thing of him being a ninja and using the shadows. And being quiet. And it, exactly. <laughs> and it allowed him to do that whole thing of like building up fear from a from a concept of you don't know at any given point where he is. He could He could be across the room one second and on you in the next. This Batman in that first fight scene and several times throughout... Because of just the weight of how heavy his costume has to be to be bulletproof, to have these gadgets, to do these things, as he's coming into the subway station, you hear his boots just so heavy on the ground, just um... hitting with every step. But it it instills that fear in a completely different, but still just as menacing way.
0: I mean, it still oh, plays It still plays into that idea of you don't know where he is, because it, it talks about that even, the idea that he mm-hmm. might be here. This, like You might be the criminal right. he comes after tonight. So there's still that looking into the shadows and worrying. But yeah. yeah, this is very much a, no, no, you're going to hear me coming because the sound of me coming is going to scare the shit out of you. Exactly. It's very Robocop, the footsteps almost. There's this, you know, mm-hmm. the sound of
1: just doom coming your way. Like, yeah, pretty much just heavy metal just on the pavement, wherever it is. You know, <laughs> but yeah, it's it the the concept of Batman's fear here isn't so much of he could be in any shadow around you. It's a concept of he could be anywhere in Gotham at any given night. But if he happens to be around you, you know exactly where he is, and you will not be able to get away from him.
0: Yeah, yeah, is this is the the coming boogeyman that you can mm-hmm. see coming for you. Uh, it's a very interesting, different, t- and it did it did catch me like this, like oh, they can hear him coming. I mean, I love this moment, but they can hear him mm-hmm. coming. That's very different to to what was seen before. Yeah. But he's still using fear, which is the key thing. Like he's still Batman. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so no, that's really neat. Um, but yeah, no, as when it comes down to the rest of the costume, uh, I, uh, I mean, the thing that I really can't fault anything for it is that. Everything on that costume feels like it has some level of purpose.
0: It's practical, yeah. And it doesn't it's feel it's all like... practical. There's not an infinite amount of gadgets either. There's like he's got like mm-hmm. one grapple thing he's got on his wrist that he will fire off. He's got one or two yeah. things on his belt. Uh
1: his He He's I think he may be one of the first Batman outside of Nightmare Bathleck, which was actually he just has a bunch of like pouches and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like he went full ninety 'cause it's just like, okay, I don't have enough room to carry this particular thing. And he just has it on a thigh bag. Like, it's all practical the whole way down of, here's what I need to do my job, and I'm going to bring it with me in the most ergonomic way I can. Yeah.
0: Uh, Like,
1: his chest plate,
0: he he sort of comes off and... I thought he was going to throw it at some point because it looks like a batarang. Same. But it he's so he, close. He uses it to cut something. I, I, I wonder if that'll be something that sort of like evolves as, as he sort of gets these ideas to upgrade things. and.
1: I feel like if it's ever going to be thrown, it's going to be in an act of desperation. Sure. But like, sure. there's something far away that he needs to like cut, and he's just going to throw it at it just to have that happen. Oh, maybe, yeah.
0: Uh, or possibly, maybe he'll fight a ninja at some point and get the idea for like a Throne Star style. Bat shape, entirely possible, you know,
1: yeah. just... that is something that is something in future sequels that I would love to see of just the small but noticeable refinements to the yeah. suit because right now things...
0: it's very like it feels homemade right now it feels oh, very
1: yeah. like, absolutely built I mean impressive but built uh, so. I'm, I'm pretty sure it falls under spoilers but the the gadget that he pulls off when he has to jump off the roof of the GCP yeah
0: yeah I'd say that's a spoiler oh
1: my god that was I, I. If you want to talk about a popping moment, that was the moment where I'm like, "This is all right. This is good."
0: Uh, yeah, no. So, so by and large, I LA, like I mean, I still kind of wish there was a. It was a bit more of like a grain black color scheme. Like movies, for whatever reason, just like to go all black, and I guess it's, it makes yeah. sense because of stills that it's more practical, but. The, the comic book fan in me, if there's, if there's one thing Batflick has over the other ones is that he had some grey and black in his outfit, at least at least the first yeah. time. I think when they got to Justice League, it, it sort of became
1: more one-tone again. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I try to block that out as much as possible, but... I will blame you. <laughs> but when... Again, it comes down to, yes, I would like it to be more comic-looking, I would like to have it be something that I'm more familiar with, but... This this isn't the guy who's like Tony Stark doing a paint job on the suit before he takes it out. Like, sure. this is the guy who, he found a metal plate, he sculpted it as it needed to be, and it is now his chest plate.
0: I mean, I mean, to put it this way, like, you know, Batman in the Nolan films very much had kind of already had this, like, philosophy before he became mm-hmm. the character where he talked about, oh, you have to shake people out of apathy with dramatic examples. A symbol can be all this. And he had all these ideas of how important the symbol should be. And that's mm-hmm. a fine way to like do it. That's a fine way to write the character and that he has these like notions before he like does it. Whereas this is a Batman who has a lot of the the fight and crime notions and he has the anger and he wants to do something good and he wants to fight crime, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. this is a Batman who is learning the power of the symbol as as he as he goes through the yeah. career's Batman and that's something that's developing and I I do wonder, like you could make an argument that maybe he will pick more of a colour scheme perhaps in a future movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would say, again, no spoilers, but just based off of the things that he learned over the course of this movie, I think mm-hmm. that it, it would be necessary for him to have more... I don't want to say public appeal, but, you know, something that is able to be seen.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's just interesting that it, they have the option of doing that now. I wouldn't be disappointed mm-hmm. if they don't. If they keep a consistent look, I think it's fine, because, it, you know, that's oh, yeah. just what it is, but... Mm -hmm. uh there's definitely avenues for that uh the car as well it's it's basically just a car that he's souped up with a Mm. you know with an engine and some he's got like a little bit of like a fins at
1: the corners at the back but not much it's just it's very subtle but again that's exactly it goes down to the exact same thing of the suit where he's like i need a car that can handle a tumble and can go fast so he picked a muscle car and he souped it out but not a tumbler exactly (laughs) but it doesn't It doesn't, it's nothing that's like, okay, where in the world would he have gotten that thing? It strikes you as, okay, yeah. yeah, no, I could see him, like, yes, he has to spend a huge sum of money to get the thing, but it's still commercially available. It's still a thing that he could just buy. I Honestly, I know we didn't get super good looks at it over the course of this movie, but... I would say that this is probably, I would say at least top three of like most iconic Batmobiles, for me, of just something that he's able to just I, iconic's the wrong word because that implies that it's stuck in mind. I think this is one of the top three like most well thought out Batmobiles. Well, well I guess I, I should put it. I'll spend that. that. And, I'll spend that and say it's probably the best Batmobile sequence that's been in a Batman movie. Oh, that's without a doubt. Yeah. That was fantastic. There was no riding up walls or anything like that. But who, oh boy,
0: <laughs> boiling acid, which is the <laughs> last movie the Riddler was in. We had the boiling acid nonsense, which
1: it, it really really surprises you. Like Matt Reeves was able to get in front of the WB board and be like, "Okay, I have this great idea for a Batman movie, and I'd like to use." one of Batman's major villains that hasn't been used in a while. It's like, oh, you want to pull back Scarecrow? We haven't used him since Batman Begins. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> I want the Riddler. <laughs> to be fair, I think Riddler is one of the bigger characters, and that movie kind of hurt, hurt him for a long time, but it's been, mm-hmm. you know, over 20
1: years. Oh, yeah. It was time. No, I, it was time. I mean, if, if, if Scarecrow in the comics as recently, as with Fear State, gotten this major makeover because... It's just been he's been a joke for so long. I think that this movie could be the justification to give Riddler a similar makeover. I don't think he needs to look like this. Sure. I don't think that's the right way to go, but I do think making him an actual threat again beyond a joke was far overdue for him. For
0: uh for sure. Yeah, I I like Riddler in this movie. I know some people are mad that the costume isn't re- you know close to either the jumpsuit or the the green jacket and hat. Look of comic books, but honestly, there's moments in this where his actions and how he messes with Batman feels very Riddler, but it's also equally merged with something like a Zodiac killer. And Mm -hmm. where it goes later in the film, where it kind of like there's definitely a type of person in the world today that you can kind of compare him to, or you know, type of group that he would belong to. And I think when it gets to that stuff, it's like okay, I think as a thesis of like saying I'm going to take this Batman villain and mix it with this real type of person. I think that's why you end up with this version of the Riddler. And I think it works in the movie, and it works for the message and the lesson that Batman both learns and what the audience kind of gets from the message as well. So. Oh, for sure.
1: I mean, the costume is used very heavily in the advertising, at least from what I've seen. It's just been, mm-hmm. again, that sort of Zodiac style of, like, here's this creepy guy in this creepy outfit. But in the movie, I don't think... I mean, a lot of the movie is spent either very grainily looking at just his face or him completely out of costume i don't feel like the costume is particularly that big of a thing yeah and he's 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 off
0: camera for so you know like he's not there on street because he's leaving
1: notes yeah it's it's not him
0: it's messages it's notes it's maybe a Mm -hmm. voice recording here or there like it's yeah so you you don't actually see that much of him in costume so it's not really Mm -hmm. that much of a big deal uh no. i
1: i completely agree with the getting it all linked together with actual real world things. I think that that was in terms of you still have the character himself be identifiable as basically just, he truly believes and he probably is the smartest man in the room and he is aware of that, but then it links him into this larger ideology of where those types of people tend to go to. Yeah. And it really fits for everything.
0: The but there are still forward. moments there there's a moment in this film where batman is going through a building and there's green paint in the walls directing him with lots of question marks and i'm like if you've played mm-hmm. those arkham games like you feel oh, yeah. those moments <laughs> in that scene like you do mm-hmm. uh so yeah there's times where it feels super riddler uh no, so, for sure. uh, no it's good stuff um so yeah, Catwoman, of course, again, very low key. It's just you know, it's really just a, a cat suit, and she has like a balaclava that's got some pointy bits that are kind of like cat ears. Yeah, but they basically focus more on the idea that she has cats and kind of her attitude, rather than going all out in the the, the outfit as a cat outfit kind of thing. Yeah,
1: no, I mean that's the thing. She, don't, I don't, she, I think she leans more into it than any other character does. Of calling her like calling her out for the cat stuff and the most she really leans into it is just the occasional like meow but always playfully not like a tick that she has you know
0: what's shocking to me is that we've now had this version of catwoman and we've Mm -hmm. had the the nolan catwoman which was and both of them are low-key enough that i mean that one felt more like the 60s catwoman than anything else um is the We've had two major movie Catwomans in the last fifteen years now, and mm-hmm. neither of them used the goggles look that was, you know, predominant in the comics for a like fifty like for, for all of the two thousands. Yeah. Catwoman had a look that to me was the Catwoman look, and I expected someone to use that at some point. And it's really funny to me that they've still avoided it. Like all these directors just aren't interested in the goggles look; they they want this
1: instead. I I, I did have to. I had to double check. Yeah, it was um, 18 years ago that we had Halle Berry Catwoman, so yes, you are correct. 15 years ago. She didn't Catwoman. have the goggles, did she? <laughs> I thought she did, the image I just saw of her on the teaser Good. and had her. Okay, well, I guess that was a fan-made thing. Anyway, I was bringing up <laughs> how that Catwoman doesn't I mean, really exist in the minds of people anymore.
0: Yeah, I've not seen the movie, admittedly, but for the the poster, <laughs> I vividly recall not wearing uh, She's got like a cat cowl thing on, but not yeah, not the goggles. But no, I I
1: feel I feel as though with Batman, everyone just leans into it. They're like, okay, look, he has he has pointy ears on the cowl. There's nothing that we can do to get away from that because to do anything else would just be messing yeah. with the costume too much. But Catwoman, like you said, she's been through several costume changes. She's changed a few things that pretty much anyone ever needs. To do a Catwoman is a very thin latex suit and some level of something that allows a little bit of pointy ears. Yes. In this case, it's the balaclava. In Anne Hathaway's case, it was the goggles flipping up. But yeah. it—I feel like there's a lot more wiggle room where they are just like, yeah, but like she's also just a, like they're more willing to make Catwoman just a burglar. Yes. then they are willing to make Batman just a guy.
0: Well, it, it doesn't betray the character too much. As long as the personality is there, as long as she's still yeah. a, a thief of some kind, it works. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't feel like you're betraying who she is. So. Yeah, and
1: going into going into the year one influences on this, I definitely feel that they hit all the major, like, types of Catwoman that we've had. We've we've hit on, okay, Streetwalker. We've hit on thief, like, a major thief at that we hit on the love interest of Batman. Like all the things that Catwoman has been in comics and even in film have been represented in this role to some degree.
0: Yeah, that's fair. So
1: I, I think that it's a very good representation of Catwoman on the whole. My only thing that I have against it is that her arc as a whole feels like it wraps up just a little bit too early. That's fair. Her story
0: kind of done uh, but yeah. with a good with the final kind of like act to the movie still it happen effectively right
1: that's Which, my only critique with her character. but that's not even on her character that's just on how her story is handled
0: yeah i even know how you t- change that though because yeah. so so much of how her story e- like ends at that point leads into what the rest of the movie is so it's, yeah no it's, it's hard to to change that it's very I much genuinely a, couldn't. it's very much a crime epic when i was talking to matt a little bit about it i spoke about how it kind of it is long, but one of the reasons why it kind of fits and it doesn't feel like you could take anything out is because it does feel like there's a lot of segments where mm-hmm. you could sort of break this down into six parts and say this is the adaptation of a six-issue arc of a comic book where this is the issue where Batman and Catwoman team up and do this thing, and that's, mm-hmm. that's like the second issue of the, of the movie. And I'm, I'm speaking around it without saying much, but right. it definitely felt like there was segments to the story and how it, it plays um, if, I, if I have an overall story critique is that there is a point where it is dealing more with the Catwoman story and the crime story the where I felt the Riddler stuff disappeared for like a good yeah. while. But it's a, it's a minor thing, really. Like ultimately, yeah. you know, T2 is one of the best movies ever made. And T2, <laughs> I would complain the T-1000 disappears for like 40 minutes at one point just because the story doesn't call for his appearance until much later right. again. And that's okay, but... Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, but that's the sort of thing where maybe there is some way to shuffle around the scenes and how things get revealed yeah. so that her arc can conclude a little bit later and it doesn't feel like the Riddler stuff is gone for so long. Yeah, so. Uh, I think I think in spoilers
0: we can maybe get a bit more specific with that, but yeah, it yeah. is it's, it's what it is. Um, so yeah, as, as far as other characters go, obviously people have been talking about Colin Farrell's The Penguin. Uh, yes he is great in the movie he's unrecogni even though i know it's him at no point in this film could i hear hear or oh, see no. colin farrell not at all
1: the only time that i was able to see through the prosthetics was in actually i think it's his very last scene in the movie and that's just because for the entire rest of the movie much like most scenes it's very dark and grimy and in shadow and this is one of the first scenes that just has him in daylight and i'm like i can see I can see how Colin Farrell exists under that, (laughs) but you still don't look like Colin Farrell.
0: Yeah, it's very impressive. It's very impressive what they've done there. Because they could
1: have hired, you know, a fat man. (laughs) They could have done that. I mean, they could have hired literally any character actor, but... And also, I mean, have we really done Penguin since Danny DeVito, even?
0: Uh, Not in a movie, no. I mean, obviously, obviously Oswald Cobblepot was a character on Gotham, the TV show and stuff, but I'm not counting that.
1: No. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to, to, to go from Danny DeVito to his adaptation, I don't know specifically, I'm assuming this is a year one thing, or maybe it was taken from somewhere else, but to have Penguin just be essentially the enforcer of the mob and start out that way, I could never see Danny DeVito's Penguin being that, but I can very much see... Colin Farrell's Penguin being the muscle enforcer.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, that's. I don't remember it, but in Year One, anyway, if, if there is any mm. allusions to that. Uh, but it fits completely with because like, aside from like the old TV show and like Batman Returns, Penguin mm. for a long the longest time, what we think of Penguin is the the gangster, the criminal, like who who runs. He's an arms dealer or some variation of thereabouts. So this feels like a very true to form version where. He is kind of what we expect him to be in some fashion, right. you know. I mean, again, some details are fudged compared to maybe certain things, but by and large, this is kind of what I expect from a penguin. Yeah, adaptation. Sure. So I mean,
1: the only thing that's really different, if you were really ho- beholden to it, is he's not that short. Like he's he's sure. I would say pretty average height, if not even a bit taller. But but he's got that's a limp, the...
0: and he's he's, yeah. he's still got the the weight, so he looks stocky as he's limping. So. People nicknaming him the Penguin because of how he walks still, Mm -hmm. you know, still works. Uh, It's still there. Uh, So that's really cool. Uh, You got Falcone, uh, John Totoro, plays him.
1: Uh, He's pretty good. I mean, again, no spoilers, but for anyone who knows Falcone in the comics or anything like that, like, he doesn't have a huge amount of stuff like he's not a character that's written about very frequently but there is one particular moment in the comics and when that moment happened i was like there we go i was waiting on that Mm -hmm. and then they finally got to it but uh, i mean yeah he was he definitely plays a lot bigger of a role than i think falcone has ever played period in like any story relating to bruce wayne's history outside of maybe year one
0: uh, yeah, I mean, Fal- Falcone and uh, Maroni. It's funny now that we've had mm. two movie versions. Well, actually, yes. you don't actually see Maroney in this, but he's mentioned a lot. Um, yeah. But it is kind of funny to me that those those characters that are associated with year one and the early days, Long Halloween as well and that stuff, which kind of falls on from year one. It is mm. funny to me that we've now had two movie universes now that have dealt with those characters. It's kind of funny that there was a time when I think no general audience would have known the names Falcone and Maroni, But now...
1: They've been used enough in Batman properties that they are kind of established. True, but it is one of those things where because they are just mobster gangsters, they don't have a colorful identity oh, or anything sure. like that. I, I'm not saying like that's one...
0: memorable to an audience. I'm just you oh, know, yeah. it's, it's just funny to me that you know, people don't know. Because
1: that's the sort of thing where I could I could probably show every if they even did a third one, I could show every appearance of them to somebody who wasn't familiar with the comics at all, and I'd be like, all right, who were the recurring characters in those movies? And they'd say, like, Batman, Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, and that's it. And I'd be like, what about that major mobster from the Batman? Is Who?
0: Yeah. uh, My point isn't so much that they're up to the level of the costumed villains, it's just funny to me that these characters, (laughs) I would have thought of as more obscure only comic book fans will know who they are have now had prime time in multiple movies now falcone's get a bigger part in this than he did in batman begins but he still he was still hmm. a relatively bigger big part in batman begins you know he was still a, a known actor playing him it was still a, a right. notable role um and then eric roberts played maroni in the dark knight uh so yeah <laughs> <you know. laughs> uh, i'm not dissing eric roberts the man the man needs to work he he likes to oh yeah make a lot of movies uh so yeah, so you got you got him, you got Alfred, of course.
1: Uh... I I mean, here's the thing: I the influences on this movie, as listed by the director, Matt Reeves, are Batman: Ego, Long Halloween, and Year One, which none of which I've read. I have I'm aware of them. I know the basics, but I have never actually sat down and read them. But I did sit down and read Volume One of. Jeff Johns' Batman Earth 1. And this feels like the Alfred was pulled straight out of there. Where it's just this more gruff, more tougher, like, someone who, yes, he was the caregiver for Bruce Wayne, but he never did feel like the butler, really. He felt more just like the guardian of Bruce as he was Mm. growing up. Like, someone who was Put in that
0: position yeah uh, I liked him in the movie I think he feels less traditional Alfred I, I can see what you're saying by saying he's closer to the earth one although I still don't think he's over the line because there's, there's like a sort of line where the Alfred in yeah. the earth one is like this really military focused guy who's like really tough and training Bruce and stuff like that whereas here right. Alfred he's still got that kind of sassy he doesn't really approve of this Batman shit but he's going along with it because mm-hmm. he cares about Bruce uh, he still has that core characteristic yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it was a very early scene where Batman was helping with one of the Riddler's codes where I was like, "Okay, he does have some level of like being able to do this stuff. He isn't there just for snappy one liners or whatever. He does have that history, which, of course, like Nolan's Alfred has as well. He had a military background, but it just struck me as this one felt it was the first time that Alfred actually felt Gruff in any sort of way. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. And maybe that's like, is that Reeve's
0: best version or preferred version of Alfred? Or is it just a case of, well, they've had just pure sassy Alfred. They've had just pure polite butler Alfred. Maybe we go with mm-hmm. the gruff version of Alfred this time. Mm-hmm. uh But, I, you know, that, that core idea that, like, he does start to help, like, solving the riddles and stuff like that, that, that does feel very traditional comic book Alfred as well, is that he yeah. does start helping and he does get involved in the cases and um so i mean i've got some stuff to say about alfred and spoilers but, but oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. um so i'm just trying to think of any other c- core uh, characters gordon's the only one i would bring up gordon yes uh jeffrey mm-hmm. wright is it's an interesting take actually i think uh, mm-hmm. gordon is an interesting one to tackle because i feel like for me the nolan trilogy kind of that that's one of the things they got perfect yeah like that they, was spot on. They got Gordon as, as much as I needed Gordon to be right. And I think it was interesting in this because we have this character who, he's still acting like Gordon. He feels like Gordon when he's interacting with Batman, but we don't necessarily get to see what that how that relationship was formed. So mm-hmm. it is kind of working at a, a deficit compared to the Nolan films in this way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it establishes what it needs to for this particular relationship where it is... Essentially, Gordon is 100% in Batman's corner right yeah. now. Like, he has no reason to doubt that he is all in on the Bat. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like throughout all the movies of the Nolan trilogy, Gordon was always still willing to, like, talk down to Batman if he disagreed. He may have still ended up going along with the plan, but I think there's a point in every single movie where gary oldman's uh gordon just said all right well i appreciate the opinion but we're doing it this way but then batman you didn't usually went ahead with his own plan anyway but this movie it, it he, gordon didn't need any sort of convincing to the point where he was actually sticking his neck out for batman's mistakes as well so wait, wait, yeah, for the was... record,
0: i don't have a problem with either of this either oh, of no. versions, i don't these versions because Like, I think Gordon having the agency to challenge Batman if he does disagree with something, I think, is important. Oh, no. If anything, it's It's... something I would hope we see, perhaps, in future movies.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely two sides of a perfectly valid way to do things. I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but it is interesting in how... I mean, discounting J.K. Simmons, Gordon, because he got all of, like, 10 seconds on screen. we, we can't count him, yeah. But from... the. I mean, Gary Oldman's Joker was really the first... Or Joker. Joker. Oh, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman's Gordon was really the first uh, time that Gordon was given a real character. None of the yeah. 80s movies really did that. So it was interesting to see how they developed him into something. And I feel like they pretty much took it out of the comics because the comics have been developing him since, like, year one. Yeah, he's he's been...
0: Been... That, which is why it's so disappointing watching those older movies, isn't it? He's just... He's nothing. He's, he's just... Right. Uh, He's, he may as well be a cardboard cutout to be honest <laughs> that's how little his character is here, here you have this interesting thing where because those last movies focus so much on the gordon relationship they yeah. obviously didn't necessarily spend as much time on this the way i would describe it is that they just kind of oh, take it for granted that it's there and they have this relationship mm-hmm. uh jeffrey Wright is likable in the role and they have yep. some nice moments together but it does not have the development given to it that you got to see throughout batman begins or through those other batman movies and as a result, yeah. it's missing that spark to make it feel special in the same way, but they're not doing anything wrong with what what they're like with each other or how they're interacting either. He still feels important to Batman's mission. He still feels like he's necessary as an ally and all those other things. He just doesn't oh, yeah. have he doesn't have the we have to learn to trust each other kind of story really or like the acceptance of having this vigilante be his ally in the in the city. It's just it's mm-hmm. just already there. So it's just, just go with it. Yeah.
1: I mean it's it's one of those things where if you have a movie, a comic even where it's Batman and Robin already pre-established, you accept the idea that okay, there was a period where Robin was brought in and they had growing pains and they learned together blah 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 and now we're at this story. You get you just you accept that that's a thing. It's not the story they're telling right now, but you accept that it happened. That's what's going on with the Gordon thing of you accept that there was a period where Gordon had to be brought in on Batman and he, like, trusted him as a good cop and they had, like, one or two things with bringing down the mobsters or whatever. And then we get to now. We're just getting the story after that implicitly implied one beforehand.
0: Yeah. well, Which is why I think, like, assessing their garden is kind of a weird task because he's perfectly good, but ultimately mm-hmm. doesn't have the story that the previous Gordon did, and because of that, inherently, like, there's less to talk about, I guess. That's yeah. what I'm saying, ultimately.
1: <laughs> he's a good character. He's critical to the story. It's not like they just put him in there so Batman could talk to somebody. Like, Gordon was oh, actually sure. necessary to do things. It's, a, but, things,
0: but He's also necessary from a thematic standpoint, is you need a character who represents that side of the law, who mm-hmm. interacts with Batman. That's important to have there. You, you need I that. mean,
1: I would say that his two major people that he talks to are Catwoman, who is on one clear side of the law, yeah. and Gordon, who's on the opposite, but equally clear side of the law. And it's him, Batman, straddling those lines between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Very mm-hmm. really good point, actually. Uh, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as far as Etherl spoiler-free-wise goes, uh, before we dive into the rest
1: of this... um it's just, what did you, th- what no. did you think? I don't know if you consider this spoiler, but considering it starts as literally the opener to the movie, mm-hmm. what did you think of the musical choice for Ave Maria being a repeated thing?
2: Um,
0: it felt kind of like it grounded it into like a recognizable <laughs> world, um, okay. to me, I, I guess. Like it's the sort of thing where I would never have expected that in the Nolan films. Right. And here, I feel it because it wants to feel more on the ground. And I know I said I'll be saying grounded, but what I mean is, like, it wants you to feel like you're. In the same way that you can have two types of war film. You can have a war film where you're in the, the the room with the generals deciding where to launch things and what the strategic plans are. Or you have a film where you're just a camera behind a soldier on the, you know, on the ground of the war and you don't get the larger context. You, you do get some larger context in this, but that's more so once you feel like you're on the streets with Batman doing the Batman things and the detective work. And there's a lot of detective work in this versus, say, oh, uh, yeah. previous versions of Batman. Um, and i think having like classical music I, i've had this conversation before with other people about classical music and films uh 2001 when i was talking to tara about 2001 mm-hmm. is that there's something kind of oddly timeless about using really old music because it's it's really old to all of us no matter how old we are It's classical music as old so yeah. it doesn't date it in the same way that if you hear a 70s song and something does
1: yeah I mean, I could, I mean, they still did use modern songs in the soundtrack, but yeah. for Sure, the, yeah.
0: Um, but, for the...
1: No, I, I, I agree. It was just, it was weird to me because when it started up, when it was yeah. literally, I think the first song you were hearing in the movie, I was like, okay, that's an interesting way to set this up, but I guess it will work for the scene that we're seeing. And then it kept coming up to the point where it was like the motif of a character. And I was like, okay... I wasn't sure how I really felt about it throughout until it got to the reveal of where the song came from in-universe, mm. and then at that point, I was like, okay, I get it. This is—I like it now. You got me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I, I need to uh, lead into just the, the score, the music, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Giacchino's score, which obviously—I I mean, I love Zimmer and Newton's work on the, the Nolan trilogy— uh, i'm mm. not a big danny elfman tim burton guy but obviously people love danny elfman's music for that original 89 film um so i was curious what what this was going to be going into and I actually and this has happened to me with a few batman movies for whatever reason they always seem to release the. i mean this probably happens with most movies but mm. for whatever reason i always seem to notice this with the batman movies Is they'll put out the soundtrack a little early so, yeah. or at least one of the, a couple of the tracks. Cause I remember listening to some of Dark Knight Rises music before I saw the movie and like imagining, oh my God, this is great. What's, what's <laughs> going to happen with this place? Uh, but I, I listened to the, the the track that's just called the Batman. So it's like Batman's theme. And right. most of the music's in that track's actually from towards the ending, <laughs> to be honest, uh, having now seen the movie. yeah, But that's fair. I remember listening to it and going, I mean, the first question I have for you, I suppose, is uh, how long did you have? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> dun, dun,
0: dun. I that mean, was in my was... head
1: for ages after I saw this. Yeah. No, he, here's the thing. I probably would have been able to get it out of my head, like, leaving the theater. Like, I probably, because I was just so, so focused on, like, oh, what am I going to say for this review? What am I going to do this? But as we were leaving the theater, uh, it was actually raining at that point, And of course, it was like <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. And just like, having to walk to the car in the rain, I was like, I can't, I, yeah.
2: done, dun,
1: dun, dun, dun.
0: And it's, it's very, you know, it is very close to something in the way, the Nirvana song, which was used in the market and, and is used in the movie mm-hmm. as well, which didn't surprise me. But again, it, it feels weird to say, um, like I'm so used to Batman movies not having songs like as part of their, their wasn't, soundtrack. Was a
1: Batman '89? All Prince. There, all was, the br- time? there, there,
0: there was Prince in '89, sure, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's much. At- like even the rest of the, that series, you know, Returns, Forever, and Robin. Yeah. I don't think there was a lot. Of- there was a little bit. There was like a Smashing pumpkin song at one point in one of mm-hmm. them, but it's it's yeah. not it's it's not like a frequent thing. Certainly in Nolan's films, I never expected a Blink One Eight Two song to just kind of kick in oh, no. out of nowhere. So, and I like that Nirvana song, but I think it's interesting that the song, like the vibes of that song fit the movie, of course, which is why they used it. But even the the, the beat of that song, the, the strumming pattern of the guitar is very similar to that, that chord. core den oh,
2: yeah. Dun, dun,
0: dun. Like, it's very close to that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very memorable. It sounds good when it's used. But what surprised me, to, to wrap this all back to when I said I listened to that track, from mm-hmm. uh this the score is that it sounded a lot more hopeful and kind of classical than i was expecting from, from a batman score that that key piece of it and mm-hmm. it fits really well in the movie when you get there like that moment where that part plays Like i, I completely understand why it is that way but right. the trailers were so broody grimy gritty batman <laughs> my parents are dead that i wasn't expecting that from the 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 key track called the batman uh but it was it was it was nice to get it though because it was just like, it was that moment of like oh there is going to be an uplifting element to this at some point at some point mm-hmm. in this movie there's going to be the hopeful the batman has made a difference part of the music and mm-hmm. i like that because as much as i do want batman to be broody and dark and gritty a lot of the time i do want him to feel like he's having an effect i want to feel the the heroism of it as well at some point uh right. and having that bleed through at a key moment where it makes impact is very effective and I would say that it's very effective in this movie. So we'll uh we'll get into that. So I think without further ado, we should probably say spoilers on the table. Okay. Uh, good.
1: Batman is Bruce Wayne.
0: I know we're in fifteen minutes into this review. <laughs> we're gonna finally start talking about spoilers. <laughs> Alright. Okay. Alright. <laughs> so full spoilers, you've been warned for the Batman. Yes. Let's do it. So, yeah, the... I don't actually want to go through it, you know, scene by scene, necessarily, Yeah, but, that
1: seems uh, a bit much. But I it, mean,
0: I'm, i I think tackling it by plot
1: thread,
0: yeah. uh, or maybe by character in some cases. Yeah, that's fair. Or how we should do it. Uh, it starts off with Riddler's attack. You know, it's, it's Riddler f- uh, filming, watching this uh, this mayor from across the street, mm. and... Now, it's been over a week since I've seen it, so if some of the minutiae of these details is a little iffy. Forgive me, but like it's hard to remember all these little details too well. Yeah. Uh, but the broad strokes are important here. Is hmm. so, but you, you get this, this horror sequence of this guy. He's alone, and they sort of tease because at first I was, is this a flashback to young Bruce? Because you know it's, it's this mansion, and it's a, yeah. a you know it's, it's a mother and father, and the father's hugging these little boy,
1: and I was like, wait, is this is this a flashback? Is this Bruce? Uh, I mean, I was I was sitting there and I was watching it. Obviously, I don't think that the narration kicked in at that point of saying what the actual day was.
0: No, it's but, this, it's after this, because is it's, it's the city, it's
1: the night time. It's, right, you know. but they did show a kid in, like, a ninja costume, and I was like, okay, I don't remember Bruce going out in a ninja costume, but this could very well be it, because, I mean, as soon yeah. as you just... If you have a Batman movie and then you have rich family of three... Immediately I'm assuming they're all gonna die except for the kid. <laughs> like that's it's just gonna happen that way. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh it's a very effective sequence. It's it, <laughs> it's pretty it's simple. It's you've seen movies like this before where it has this not a Batman movie, but you've seen movies like this before oh, where yeah, you've no. got the serial killers in the room and it's teasing them with the lights going out and mm-hmm. I'm standing behind the guy and all the rest of it. Um it's very effective. It's,
1: proper, it's probably brutal too. Like it's not a thing of like, oh, the uh he starts attacking the guy and then the camera just implies that he no, was attacked no. it's no he holds on it we see how he's attacked and we don't stop until the duct tape comes out and and it's it's a blunt object as
0: well and it feels like he's it takes a few swings and you feel the the visceral nature of the hits and mm. all that it's it's very yeah. well done uh, and from there so that sets you your mood and then from there you go into like gotham times square right uh, mm-hmm. And even the stadium later on is uh, Gotham Square Garden, which yeah. give me a chuckle. Uh, but maybe that one was a little over the line. Maybe I, I, I'm cool with them having their Times Square because mm-hmm. it makes sense. A city like this would have that, but actually, like naming it Gotham Square Garden, maybe just be a, a touch,
1: a touch yeah. over. Touch over. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of those things where they probably had it made up to look like it, and then they were like, "Oh, what should we call it?" And they're like, uh should we even pretend like it's not? They should do, do you know what they should do, they should do
0: what the comics do, pick a creator you want to honor and name it after them. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean call, that's fair. Call it the uh the, the finger dome or something. <laughs> Maybe any other creator <laughs> besides finger. Okay. Kane Stadium. Kane, Kane All Arena. Right. I don't know. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh but, you know it, but there's all these shots of like people in the streets and it's pouring a rain and batman's like october 31st the the holiday the city's full for the holiday even the rain can't keep them away and like it's, 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 but it's all this moody, and it sounds like batman it sounds like batman mm-hmm. duration um and it's all these different little crimes going on and he's talking about i can't be everywhere at once i have to pick my crimes i have to pick what i target and eventually, it's this you with know, a grouping this gang of thugs that are all wearing face paint. I mean, for Halloween, it's not just that they're a gang that wears face paint, but it's all these young, yeah. like thugs wearing face paint on a train. Um, and they follow this guy who looks nervous off the train, and it's mm-hmm. like, like a,
1: a gang initiate.
0: Yeah, and obviously, there's an innocent person, who's about to be up. So I'm thinking in my head, this is the one he has to intervene because this is this is the one that has the victim who's going to get hurt. So this is the one that mm-hmm. he has to show up and and save. Yeah. And sure enough, we get this sequence where he walks out the darkness, and it's like impending doom for the, for this guy. And they, they and you know the, the, they kind of know who Batman is, like is, you know, because we see people look up and see the signal and just second guess themselves. Is there, is there mm-hmm. you know? And the, some of them are doing bigger things than others. some people are robbing stuff, other people are just you know, yeah. spray so painting. There's
1: one that's like vandalizing, I think the first Gotham bank. Yeah. And then the other one is robbing a convenience store.
0: But there's these moments where like Batman and the narration's talking about how, but the signal lets them know that I'm out there and they'll think, and there's moments where they'll mm-hmm. look over into the shadows and they're like, is he here? It's making them think twice. And yeah. it's, you know, it's just, it's really well done. But you have this, this violence scene. And it's the scene in the, that very first trailer with the, uh, where he grabs the hmm. arm and just beats the shit out of this thug and then says yeah. i'm vengeance right it's that moment uh and it's still really effective I, I love how a lot of the fight scenes where he's taking on a group of enemies in this it does pull back and you just get a wide shot of it happening and it oh, does yeah. look it's very effective it's probably some of the most entertaining choreography as a because it doesn't feel like yeah he's obviously skilled but it doesn't feel like he's doing really movie style martial arts it feels really sort of no like he he knows how to like block and hit and stuff but it is a, a bit more raw it's a bit more visceral
1: and yeah i mean with this movie particularly the thing i was paying attention to was one were they power ranger style fighting where you hit a guy away and he just stays over there until nobody else is attacking and then he runs back in again so he's only ever fighting like mm. one guy at a time and two whether or not he's actually getting hit like, whether or not he's completely just so above their level. And for both both those questions, the answer is no. Like, he was getting mobbed by a bunch of people at once, and he was taking pretty heavy blows. The difference yeah. being is that he... And you felt it. You felt him get hit. But then he just turned around and used that 100% more on the guys that were attacking oh, him. Oh, yeah.
0: If he gets hit, he gets angry and hits back twice as hard. Exactly. like that, that, That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, uh, And... and... There's, I mean, there's a gun right at the tail end of this fight, but later on, there's like fights where he's taking on, you know, a group of people who all have guns, mm-hmm. and you see him like eight bullet shots because obviously his armor's bulletproof. But that's just obvious, right. and you know what? Somehow they avoided him ever needing to like you know at one point he grabs a gun and hits someone with it like a, as a blunt object i'm not counting that as using a gun that's okay nah, <laughs> nah. i'm fine with that <laughs> yeah. but they never you know it's, it's really well done there's a scene at one point where he's going through a hallway and it's like it's complete darkness and it's lit with the gunfire and what's mm-hmm. funny about this scene to bring up actually is that i just did uva bowls alone in the dark which tried to do a <laughs> sequence a gunfight that takes place in the dark and it's lit by the gunfire and it was the worst looking shit I have ever mm-hmm. seen. And then, and then I see this movie and it's like, oh, this looks cool. This actually looks like like, yeah. like probably what Uva had in his head that he wanted right. to do. <laughs> but that's looked really good. Uh, I mean, yeah, execution, it's yeah. nine tenths of it. But yeah, so so Batman takes out all these guys. But at the end of the scene, though, this this civilian that was being attacked, like he's he's lying there cowering and he says Mm -hmm. don't hurt me like he thinks batman's going to hurt him too yeah and you know he he sort of glances over at him but this is your thesis this is like okay your opening statement this is what this movie's about is that the civilians are scared of batman and the effect he's having on the the world is that everyone's scared of him and the only people who are feeling inspired by him as we'll learn as we go are people who are a bit more on the extreme end that maybe you Mm -hmm. don't want to be inspiring and that leads us into everything else and we'll get to that but Yep. Th- that's that's opening is very distinct it's it, it a clear mission statement the innocent person is just as scared more scared even of batman mm. than the criminals are
1: yeah i mean that is that's the thing that they keep on they always pendulum back and forth to on the comics of whether or not the like cops agree with batman whether or not the people are scared of batman whether he's a myth whether he's real like it's always a little bit nebulous depending on who the writer is but that is something that at least movie wise i don't think they've ever particularly handled of outside of maybe Zack snyder's version but then again they had a right to be scared of that guy (laughs) he was branding Um, people (laughs) yeah they had every right of that but outside of that i don't think they ever have really handled that Criminals are still people like they are still just people living in the city. So to scare them is to also be scaring a very large percentage of the population. And it is how is he okay with that? Is he fine with the fact that the people he's saving fear him just as much as the criminals do. And I like that it's battling that sort of question in it, but it's a, it's something that we have seen in the comics time and time again of Okay, is that like how how does Batman square that? I feel like that was the initial question that was made, and um, I hate bringing it up, but the Ben Affleck Daredevil as well <laughs> of all things. I know.
0: Yeah, I, but yeah, yeah. It, it, oh God. No, it's it's just I think it's really powerful as an opening statement, and then it kind of goes into the movie, and we mm-hmm. we are we are we're led to the various things. We see him interact with Alfred and to get his uh, ideas on things but then of course mm-hmm. the signal goes up and or the signal cause no, actually the signal's already up. Cause that's the thing is that Batman at the, the end of this scene, which I really loved actually is Batman noticing the signals out. Like we've had this whole sequence of him narrating with all these people around the city noticing that it's up. And mm-hmm. I get the impression as well that people maybe still do think he's a bit of a myth. Like not everyone necessarily believes yet that he does exist because it's not like he's been on TV. It's not like people have caught footage of him or anything like that. This is purely something that's, you know, the press are talking right. about him. perhaps when something happens, they've heard about him from the police uh obviously they're seeing this signal in the sky but is that a real thing is that just like a practical joke does, does it mean right. anything uh but he sees the signal at the end and that's what directs him to gordon to the crime scene and that's again that was in the first trailer is this? he goes into this mansion where this guy was murdered the mayor and he analyzes the crime scene and the other cops are all like oh. in fact one of, the, one of the nice little arcs of the movie is there's this cop who calls him a freak and doesn't want to let him in but over the course of the film when you see him again he does like start to like seem to respect batman and does seem to want mm-hmm. his opinion or lets him investigate the crime scene in fact he even kind of casually gives batman an answer later on as to what the blunt object was I mean, all the way to, it's really late in the movie but that murder object because i don't know what it was it was just, a it was, it was like, a, it like a tool of some kind but i can't have told you what mm-hmm. it was turns out it's a, it's a carpet uh tucked you tuck in the carpet at the edge mm-hmm. of the, the you know the corners of the room and i was like oh, okay that actually looks like it looks like that's what it would be used for now you've told me it, i can see it <laughs> yeah uh and it, you know it's a clues to you know where something's hidden in riddler's place blah blah but
2: mm-hmm.
0: um the moment where so i was i was into the intro i love the narration i love the fight scene the what it's set up the moment where i was like okay Patson's batman is the moment where he's leaving the, the crime scene he's walking through the, the hallway and he sees the boy who's just lost his father And he looks at him and he looks, he has this look in his face that I don't think any other Batman movie has ever done for me is we get, and we get these moments in the comics from time to time where Batman Mm -hmm. encounters a child. It's usually often. It'll be like someone who's going to become a Robin, right? It'll be someone who's going to be a Robin, but where he looks across at this kid and I'm like, this is why you don't have to do the pearls falling to the ground in the alley. All it took was Batman looking at this kid and realizing he's going to solve, he's going to try and solve a murder that took this boy's father away from him. Mm -hmm. The fact that he sees some of himself in this kid is all you needed to get across so much of what he feels and so much of who he is.
1: For sure. I mean, just not to skip ahead too far, but um, it's revealed in a scene soon afterwards that Batman is constantly recording everything via contact lens cameras. And as he's uploading this uh, and Alfred is talking to him, Bruce gets distracted, he goes off to do something else. But Alfred sees that moment. He oh, sees him that. looking yeah. at this kid. I love and this moment. Loved it. You get that exact same emotional beat, but now you understand that Alfred sees that beat as well. And it's his beat of how he understands what Bruce is feeling in this moment and why he is pushing himself and, on yeah, this
0: particular. And it's right before this as well, I think, that Alfred is like chastising him for doing this and why are you mm-hmm. so motivated? Why are you going out here and doing this? You're becoming quite the celebrity. You're doing this and that. And... Uh, so that moment where he sees this is beautiful because he gets it he looks at, he looks at yeah. what, what was batman's pov looking at this kid and in, in an mm-hmm. instant he in some level understands it and what i love about it as well is that for alfred this is a different like moment because for alfred he recognizes this in a different way because he saw bruce at that age react to this he was the yeah. he was the one taking care of bruce after this happened so he sees it He
2: sees young Bruce.
1: Alfred is quite literally seeing deja vu here of the exact same moment again, and in an instant, it's like maybe he won't question
0: why he's doing this as much because now he understands. That is just economical storytelling that hit Mm -hmm. really hard. And maybe I don't know if it hits as hard for people who don't know anything about the characters, but certainly for me, this was all like I was getting just moments
1: that were working. These... I mean, I, w- I would say that everyone would understand how he felt, how Pattinson's Bruce Wayne felt in that moment, and therefore could elaborate yeah. some feeling of Alfred getting out of that, of just like, oh, okay, I understand why you're doing this, even if they don't get all the minutia.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think that's a wonderful thing, because I, I, I'd mm. forgotten, honestly, because it's been a week, I'd forgotten that. I, I don't think I'd remember to bring up that Alfred moment. I'm mm. glad you did. Uh... <laughs> it's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> No, really good stuff. Um, you know, from here, like, there's
1: a second murder. Oh, and there was a card left with the first victim. Yeah, so it's like a birthday card. Yeah, it says to the Batman. That's the whole reason he's like brought in here, and it's because yeah, it's for him. There's a clue,
0: and then there's a a second murder. It's actually the police commissioner who's next, Mm -hmm. and uh you know one of them like literally his finger is attached to it's got a usb stick in it was a little joke moment uh riddler's mm-hmm. got a sense of humor as gordon puts it which leads to oh a thumb drive yeah thumb drive there was a there was a an informant someone because basically the idea that you know felt uh, not Falcone, uh maroney the crime boss was taken mm-hmm. down he was busted before the start of this movie and yes. there was a rat some, someone was informing the police about that and there's some sort of conspiracy which is what the Riddler's targeting so everyone he's killing is in some way tied to that so it's the corrupt mayor who's re, you know running for re-election uh mm-hmm. it's the commissioner later on there'll be other cops there'll be other you know, district attorney things like that um mm-hmm. and they're all corrupt people who go to the iceberg lounge to a party and again that's like you can tie this to batman begins like we had that that place where they all go it's where bruce goes to see falcone and he's like hey look yeah. over there there's a corrupt judge like this is just that place but for this movie but it's a bigger part of this movie it's a bit more focused part of this movie yeah. and so that becomes a big you know talking point for like investigation mm-hmm. and it feeds a lot into the catwoman plot but as far as just sticking with the riddler solving crimes right. and, and the riddles and the murders and what it all boils down to so a big part of this movie is that it feeds into the past of the Waynes, because eventually Riddler starts, he he leaks a thing at one point, but he he starts hinting that Thomas Wayne was corrupt at some way. Mm. And this question of, is Thomas Wayne, was he as good a guy as Bruce thinks he was? Mm. And it leaks that Thomas Wayne at some point maybe went to Carmine Falcone and I say Falcone because that's how it was said, and at least one other thing. And it, it it's like Raz Al Ghul and Raj Al Ghul, There's like right. two camps. And this movie does say Falcone, but in my head it's Falcone. I'm never going to let it go. I will never call you out for it. So it, it raises this question that, that Thomas Wayne might have either paid off or asked for a favor for for Carmine Falcone. And it's at this point in the movie, it's already like mentioned that what that at one point in time. Falcone got shot and couldn't go to the hospital because it was all criminal stuff so he went to the, the Wayne mansion and asked Thomas Wayne to patch him up and it was kind mm. of this awkward thing that Bruce kind of witnessed uh, which I think is actually from the comics and That's that's actually kind of rang a bell for me.
1: It doesn't I, sound familiar to me. But, I think at oh. some
0: point I don't know I don't know what run it was but I do think there's a story about how at one point maybe it wasn't Falcone specifically but that Thomas did patch up a criminal that was brought to the mansion. I feel like that was a thing at some point but The idea that they became friends because of that in some fashion and Thomas had this journalist who was going to leak stuff about Martha having mental health issues in the past, which again, it does sound familiar from the comics actually.
1: Mm -hmm. Again, I can't name it in specific. That is is the one thing that I'll bring up with another Earth One connection is that they specifically, they made the change here, not that it's ever really been too established in the Mm -hmm. movies, but they did make the change that Martha's last name, her maiden name, was Arkham. And that did come from the... At least that was used in the Earth-1 comic as her originally being an Arkham. Um, Then a... I think it's a Kane is what it is. is Kane.
0: Well, that's the thing, because they go into like the founding families of Gotham. They mention that in some of the backstory stuff. They mention the Arkhams and the Waynes being the two founding families. What's interesting to me is that a lot of the Scott Snyder stuff that he set up is that there was four founding families, and it was the Waynes... The canes, the cobble pots, and it may have been um, the Arkhams was the fourth one. I can't remember. Probably. But, um, but I did sort of recognize that and go, oh, they've streamlined it into two as opposed to mm-hmm. the four. Uh, but it does feel like stuff to explore in a sequel that. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, for sure. it's put there and then look a newspaper headline or something when they're talking about it. And then it's just kind of,
1: oh, that's a seed for lair. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to skip too far to the end, but was it, was it established by the end whether or not? arkham asylum
0: is a thing or was it just Blackgate? no uh, the, the hospital riddler goes to arkham state hospital it was
1: okay yeah that's i arkham. couldn't remember if they said the name
0: yeah they said the, it's on his shirt i think as well like it's okay printed on there right. um so what was i getting to yes yeah, so yeah so basically bruce is confronted with this idea mm-hmm. that maybe his father wasn't a good person and you know bruce as we see up until this point like he is so anti-corruption like when when and we'll talk about this scene separately, but when he's hearing from the the Iceberg Lounge that there's all these these like corrupt cops and like judges and stuff in there, he wants mm-hmm. th- he wants to know every single one so he can take them down. Like he's just like, learning about this now. And later on, like when he's arguing with Gordon about something, like he's like, "No, this cop that's corrupt. Like he's corrupt. He deserves what's coming to him. We're going to take him down." And Gordon's like, "No, we have to kind of like p- play coy about this and like sort of go for the bigger fish, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever the, the debate was." So you know, it sets up that you know Batman Bruce is very black and white in that he sees the world a certain way, and it's, it's in some ways it's naive, but in some ways it's kind of like commendable that he still is so dead set on this right and wrong, and he sees yeah. this as wrong. And I actually, I, I was, uh, I, I was sort of confronted. This is a weird thing to sort of get into, but I. I kind of found myself like I, I don't necessarily care about relating to characters too much in things because I, I I can empathize with different types of people. I think that's a fundamental thing all people should be able to do anyway. Oh yeah. But I did find myself oddly relating to Batman in this in a weird way. Um, and okay. It was basically this idea that he is so like almost to a, in a childlike way like this war and crime that he's devoted himself to it comes up in the comics a lot where selena will call him out on it he's so devoted to this idea that he has that he's never going to deviate from and that's just Mm. something that can't be broken with them and he's so committed to not killing to not using guns and and that thing at at some point in the movie like because i i've never drank alcohol uh, and i've never done drugs and i've never wanted to do anything like that and at some point like someone has accused me of of just being a- arrogant or being stubborn and not wanting to give in to it, and there was a point in this movie where like someone was debating like you know doing letting something go with Batman or just like be willing to not kill it wasn't killing but it was something like that, uh, yeah. but be willing to cross a line and he's like adamantly not doing it, and I think the for better or worse this like sort of childlike clinging to I actually found myself relating to Batman kind of like no I'm not crossing that line I'm
1: not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it comes down to I think that everybody, whether they're good, bad, whatever yeah. they are, I think that everybody can admire somebody, at least in media and probably real life as well, who has very strict lines that they do not cross. They they have principles of their own. It's the reason why characters like, um, I'm blanking on his name, I think it's Omar on the wire. Sure, yeah, like, yeah. Bad guy. But he has very set principles, and that's why he is a respected character. He's,
0: yeah, he's, he's an honorable criminal, and that right. he, like, you know, he's very much uh like. If you're in the game, you're fair. You're you're fair to like be taken out. Right. But he's never going to go and just hunt down a like an innocent civilian or anything like that. Like.
1: Exactly, and that's the that's what I think is getting at here. Is and one of the things with Batman is yes, he has all these messed up problems of his own, and it doesn't come down some. It probably developed out of a childlike sort of yeah. black and white mentality of the world, but it's developed into this core principle of who he is as a person. And it's good to see someone who stands by their principles. For sure. Yeah. That's is good. more so of what I feel like it's coming down to. So, yes. Pete, I'm very proud of you for standing <laughs> by your principles. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes back to that. But
0: I, I guess, like, the idea of it comes out of a childlike notion, just the, the idea that it, mm-hmm. I feel like I've had this since I was young, so it just kind of, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 uh, whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, so Bruce is confronted with this idea that Thomas might not be, like, mm-hmm. the noble, honourable father that he thought he was. And I actually, got, I actually tweeted about this. I didn't say what it was. But I tweeted about my feeling on this, because there's a mm-hmm. moment in this film where I got very worried that Matt Reeves was about to commit a sin, a Batman oh. sin, that I wasn't going oh. to be happy about. Is that, so So Bruce goes to Falcone, right, as as Bruce, and it's kind of funny because he, he goes to the Iceberg Lounge as Batman early on, which, even mm-hmm. the fact that Batman goes up and knocks on the door is kind of like a, a new way of seeing yeah. Batman, but... Uh, he goes as Bruce, and it's kind of like a comic moment because it's like the same twin bouncers that are there. I don't know if they were meant to be like a spiritual version of Tweedledee and
1: Tweedledum or something like that. That's what I was picking uh, up the whole way through. Uh,
0: but they never said it, so if they have like actual Tweedledee and Tweedledum later, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but he comes in and he wants to see Falcone, and he wants to ask, is it true, did my father have you kill this journalist who was going to leak something uh, about my mother? And... Falcone, you know, waxes lyrically. Totoro's, you know, doing, doing his, his shtick.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he kind of says... He kind of implies heavily that he did. Yeah, like, you know, like, your father needed me to do something. No matter how good you think someone is, they're pushed to do special things when the circumstances are right, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I, basically, so what I was worried about is that they were going to not only tell me who killed the Waynes, but told me that the re- there was a reason for them being killed. And I am firmly yeah. in the camp of either... We should never know, or it's okay if we notice Joe Chill, but that Joe Chill is just a random thug. His name's irrelevant, it's whatever, but he's just a random thug. It 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 should be a product of randomness, and that's important to me. So I was worried for a a moment, but in my head Mm. as this was playing out, I was like, well, they've not actually outright said it, and it's just Falcone that's implying it, so there's still a lot of wiggle room here. Mm. And then he goes to speak to Alfred, who's in hospital
1: at this point because the Riddler sent a package that was meant for Bruce because Bruce was also targeted
0: Yeah, for reasons.
1: So he he goes to the hospital room, and
0: he's already had a bit of a falling out. He's he's already said to Alfred at one point in the movie, at this point, that uh, you're not my father. Stop pretending to be yours. You know, something to that effect, right? And Mm -hmm. Alfred's lying there. He survived the explosion, but he's lying there in the hospital bed. And Bruce brings this up, and he starts asking about Falcone and whatever. And then... Alfred basically gives a completely opposite story. Mm. He's like, no, I don't think it's Falcone at all. I think it was Maroni for this reason. And he gives a pretty compelling reason for why Maroni would have someone would, would pay off. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to set up like equally valid stories that either one could have killed the Waynes, but mm-hmm. not actually give me an answer. That's I can live with that. But then just the yeah. cherry on top is at the end of the scene. Alfred also says, or oh, it could have been just a random mugger. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. way to tell for sure. And I'm like, this was perfect this was do you know what this was to compare it to something in the other batman movies this was the joker giving the multiple origin stories and saying you don't know which one's true or if any of them are true
1: yeah and that's the point i i I do definitely when it was going through that because i remember you talking before i even saw the movie about your that a moment that you were worried about but i didn't look any deeper into it and knowing that it's that now i did have that same sort of moment where i was like Oh, okay. They're gonna be they're retconning the origin, and honestly, I felt like at that point, if they were ever going to do a flashback to the scene, it was gonna sure. be right then. Um, I'm glad they showed restraint, but when they when they were going through it, basically, it just came down to, you know, Thomas Wayne. He said, "Take care of it," as in, "Spook the guy, not kill him." And so he still doesn't come off completely clean. Yeah. He's still not. you know the best person but the whole reason he was killed was because he was going to go to the police and tell them hey i'm involved in this i'm an accomplice to murder which is is notable so
0: the idea is that he was
1: tested he did
0: have a moment of weakness but he didn't ask for anyone to be killed and when he found out that he did kill the journalist he was going to go Mm. and turn them in for it
1: yeah exactly Uh, including himself he was not abstaining himself from that but then he said and then the next day your dad died he doesn't say because of that yeah. your dad died he the says timing, and then the next day
0: the timing is suspicious and at least it's it basically the idea is here is that it's very easy to have a couple of big conspiracy stories that either one could be mm-hmm. true but it could also just be a random guy it could be right. a random mugger in the street and that's all it was uh right. so th- th- i think that is super fascinating and I, I love this sequence as well i think there's not actually a lot of alfred scenes but i think bruce racing nah. home when he, when he knows alfred's in danger only to find out that he's like he's an hour late like the, the bomb arrived an hour ago and it's already
1: happened. Yeah. see and that's like, that's one of those few things that can only be told in a visual like sequential medium yes of of you have the phone ringing and you you see bruce trying to reach Alfred desperately and then you see what alfred's doing and he's opening up this letter and we all just know as an audience if he picks up the phone he he will not do that and alfred will be safe so it's building up this tension but then by the time it gets to the phone finally being picked up you found out that the scene we were looking at happened two hours ago yeah like he we already have the fire crew there and he's being and it's one of those moments that you all it's it's building up the tension. But by the time that it lets the air out of the balloon, by the time it shows you that this was never actually tense to begin with, it had already shown Alfred opening up the package. So there wasn't... It wasn't, like, ruining the tension or anything like that. It built up the moment specifically for the tension to release that way.
2: Yeah.
0: It's really well done. And then the hospital room scene, after all this stuff comes out, Mm -hmm. it's quite an emotional moment where Bruce holds Alfred's hand and it feels like a genuine connection between them mm-hmm. and it kind of comes back down to like you know him talking about how his father yeah like he got himself in a rough place and he made a choice that wasn't perfect and he had to kind of own up to that and he was willing to do that it comes back to something you said earlier which is the idea that all the criminals in Gotham are still people and some mm-hmm. of them just dip their toes in criminals and, it, and the criminal life and it's okay they sort of come back from it or they're honorable and deal with it and uh, accept the consequences and some go off to deep end some are psychopaths and become riddlers and whatever but yeah, you know. the, but the idea that in some level these are all human beings that are influenced by something and c- can be helped and can be rehabilitated potentially or can you know it's really painting the humanity and everyone in the city in mm-hmm. the story of batman and not that you're going to recuperate the Joker if the day comes where that's no. it, I think. Cause a thing, because he's the Joker. <laughs> that's the whole point of the Joker is that he's so far on the other end. He's the, the antithesis of Batman. That's the point. But right. But the idea that his father was put in a tough position, so he had to make a rough choice. And some other people who are in tough positions and maybe have to steal to feel, feed their families or have to, yeah. to you know, steal to make ends meet. And that's like something that's brought up a lot with the Catwoman character is when he like criticizes her, some of her choices as Batman... She sort of says, "Like, can tell you grew up with money." She doesn't know who he is, but I can oh, tell. Yeah. You, I can tell you grew up with money because you're judging someone for this particular thing, mm-hmm. and it's like just an interesting little point. And it's just like that idea is there. The idea that him empathizing with the people that he's either helping or even the people he's chasing, and the idea that one day they can maybe come back from whatever they are, and maybe the yeah. scare from Batman's what they need to be inspired, uh, or so on. Like, mm-hmm.
1: you know. Yeah, I think I think it all comes what you were saying earlier about the black and white morality, yes, it comes from a place of him being hurt as a child and not being yeah. able to develop past that, but it also comes from a place of privilege. Of when you, sure. when you don't have the privilege to keep your hands clean, you don't get the ability to just see everything as black and white. And I think that's the beauty of it, is that he has to accept the
0: shades of grey, but on his principles, he's still black and white. Like, that, that is right. still a hard line, and it should still be mm-hmm. a hard line. But... Oh, yeah. This idea that he will try and help like a troubled young criminal who... Because that's the thing, at the start start of the movie, like the gang, they've got like a new member who they're trying to make be the one who beat up the innocent victim. And Mm -hmm. he actually lingers. Whenever else runs away at the end of the scene, he's still there for a little moment. And I almost thought he was maybe going to say something like, oh, I'm done with this gang shit. Or I'm like, like, you know, he's learned a lesson here. And he doesn't say Mm -hmm. it, but I think the fact that it lingers and the idea that no, there's one person here that he might have made a difference too. he Mm -hmm. he, like his presence at this fight doing this might have inspired this one person even if it's through fear rather than like you know be good and be you know the superman way he's inspired someone to maybe second guess their life choice and you know at the very least don't hurt innocent people like if there's one fundamental thing you shouldn't be doing that's that's worse than you know being a thief or whatever else don't hurt people Mm -hmm. don't
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what it really comes down to for his entire arc in this movie is the only way he knows how to inspire change at all is through fear. That's his one mode of pushing any sort of progress forward. So his arc is to figure out, are there other ways to do that? And what happens when that doesn't work and or makes things worse? Well, yeah. What's
0: so beautiful about the arc,
1: you know, since we're sort of spiraling
0: back into this, and this is kind yeah. of this is back at the Riddler side of things, mm-hmm. is you know we we have the Riddler murdering more people. He eventually kills Falcone. Well, I and mean, we'll talk more about Falcone. I think in the Catwoman plot, but yeah, they, they chase Riddler. He lets himself be caught because he just goes to a diner and he's he's mm-hmm. you know he's making the the question mark in the and the coffee <laughs> as he does, and the whole thing with and we'll go back and talk about the scene at arkham and all that because i think that's really important yeah uh, but it's the idea that you know a few times throughout the film batman says the line i am vengeance that's his like catchphrase that he's saying to people <laughs> to scare them and when we find out the riddler is doing what he does and he's planned this bigger attack uh he's but he's been on essentially like 8chan or 4chan or yeah. dark web talking to other extremists and He's been getting the advice off other people, and he's got followers. And it really presents this idea of gaining a following because you're extreme. And the idea that... And this is something that's used a lot in Batman, especially with Joker and early Batman stories, is the idea that Batman's Mm -hmm. presence inspires the creative side of other people. It's like, oh, you can be a larger-than-life character now and do something like this. And that inspires someone like the Joker. So, In the words of Batman Begins, what about escalation? Yeah, there you go. And... But here it's kind of the specific thing about how your actions and what you present to the world influences others. And because Batman's not really controlling, like, his message, he's just saying, I am vengeance and beating people up. He's effectively appealing to a, an extreme end of the spectrum. He's appealing to people mm-hmm. who want to use violence. He's appealing to people who think it is just about vengeance. And, you know, Riddler thinks Batman's going to be cool with them because he's killing people. That's what Batman wants. Help me kill the bad yeah. guys, Batman like that's that's what he thinks we're going to teach the city a lesson that's that's what he is leaning towards and he's getting this following and you really get this idea of like of like terrorist cells and extremist movements and mm-hmm. and mass murders and things like that so it all boils down to when batman's making his big save and we'll talk about that i think separately as a scene but yeah. the moment he hears one of these like riddler followers who are helping like kill people at the end when he mm-hmm. when someone asks the riddler follower when they've taken off his riddler mask Like, what are you? Who are you? He says, I am vengeance. And the Batman looking down and saying... And just seeing what he has done. Like, in some level, he is responsible for creating this because Mm. he created this idea that you can be this type of larger-than-life character and he's inspired this and that he has to show people what he actually stands for. That this is not on. He does not approve of these tactics. He does not approve of these people. Which leads to... One of the most beautiful scenes in a Batman film where you know the the the, the building's flooding mm. in the in the arena and he ends up down in the bottom and the whole movie the movie starts with him coming out of a shadow and everyone's scared of him walking out of shadows. So what do we do to thematically close his arc? We have him mm. be the one who leads people into the light. He lights a flare mm. and he puts his hand out and he says well, he doesn't even say anything, but you know, effectively he's saying I'll lead you to safety, and they're hesitant. But then ultimately, this girl or woman at the front accepts his hand, and then he leads people out. And there's that great top-down shot of him leading people through the water as he's holding the flare, and mm. like the shadow of like all the people behind them uh, yeah. to the point where it almost looks like bat wings uh, behind them.
1: Yeah, you know, and not to, not to sort of the point, but I do believe the first person was actually the boy from the very beginning. Like I think that was the first person who took his hand out of the wreckage was that boy who, whose father was killed. as the first victim of the riddle? Oh, I think yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right
0: because mm-hmm. it's it's him and then it's like the uh, the new the, the mayor, 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 yeah, electoral whatever. Yeah, because uh, she's like you know the one against the the corrupt mayor and so she's like, she's seen as a more you know good character in the movie. Yeah, and you know and from there we see like he's out in daylight, he's helping carry like injured kids hmm. to helicopter stretchers yeah. and stuff the and, national guard came in and he's carrying them all out off the roof yeah and in like we see like a moment where he puts like a girl down in the stretcher and she sort of like grabs his arm like she's scared not of him she's scared yeah. of like being hurt and like he mm-hmm. just kind of like holds her hand a little bit and just to say you'll be okay it, again he doesn't say it he just like, gives her the look you'll be okay yeah. and it's this idea that he's publicly doing something where the city can see him as a heroic figure that he stands for something And he's making it clear what he stands for, that this is not about just raising fear and terror. Yes, he's going to use fear still. Absolutely, he's going to. But he's going to inspire some hope in other people. And it's the Mm -hmm. idea that the good people don't have to fear him. This is about being uh, a bad guy, effectively. I mean, to put it in comic book terms, don't be a bad guy.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. It's it's being able to put on the different faces when he needs to. It's being able to care for people when it's necessary. And otherwise. Um, didn't want to interrupt that role, because, yes, all of it, 100%. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's all beautiful. Yeah, um, But just going back real quick to the Riddlers and the Extremists and stuff like that, what gets me is that it, yeah, just to mirror the Batman that we have in this movie, we gushed so long about his outfit and how it was all basically hand and it was just things that you could find. But as a rich person, the Riddlers' outfit, love it or hate it, they specifically showed in the movie that like this was picked up at like military surplus stores. Mm. Like it was stuff that again, a normal person could just go out and get and deal with, but it is shoddier because it is a guy who's just a guy. He's not rich. He's not wealthy. He's just able to get this stuff on a shoestring budget and what he's able to do with that. So there are still the mirrors there of, and
0: you and Batman see, and the Riddler. Yeah, you see like the prototypes like lying around and stuff of his like these traps and his like games that he makes people right. play. That, that I think it's the uh, the corrupt DA or cop, whatever, whatever one he sends to the mm-hmm. funeral. But he, he puts him in this like that heat. was the DA, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's the one before? But the one with the has the thing in the head, where he's got the, the head thing on with the, the poison. That was
1: the commissioner, right. yeah.
0: Uh, like you see like the prototypes of that lying around and mm-hmm. if i if i have a critique at all about the riddler stuff is that i think it's fair to say that maybe some of the the, the, the solutions like the idea that he knew someone would find the solution to propel mm-hmm. the next part of like his game with like, the batman's on in his journey is maybe a little yeah. far-fetched don't get me wrong like they don't feel super solvable sometimes and i think that's a fair critique
1: i yes and no from my perspective of things i think that all of this game revolved around batman solving them because again all of the riddles everything that like sent things forward were all in the cards that said to the batman Mm -hmm. like nothing nothing was forwarded via a cop doing something or anything else it was all down to the batman solving the riddles and a lot of times, especially with the one that they brought up over and over of a lot of rata, which is basically just telling him look for the rat, look for yeah. the person who uh, got Maroney off the streets. He got that wrong. He got that wrong like three times. Yeah, he was just he was just h- hoping that he would eventually stumble across it because it's, it's Falcone.
0: That's that's how ultimately turns yeah. out to be. It's Falcone
1: exactly. And a falcon, of course, was what the with wings was supposed to be pointing to. But he goes to, like, Penguin first, he goes to a bunch of other people. There was eventually he got to, in fact, he didn't even get to Falcone. Falcone was just yeah. kind of dropped in his lap. I, I, but, I, um, when I heard that and he said a, a rat with
0: wings, I was like, well, that's a bat, right? <laughs> like, that was my I mean, first thought. that's, of course, right. the intention. Uh, but, I mean, obviously but, it makes but, sense because I, I think the Penguin thing is, like, the whole point is, is, is that he's the rat. And he has wings. Mm. Not, not that a penguin is a rat with
1: wings. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But it, that's just the different ways he's just trying to interpret it. What I like about this Riddler Batman dynamic, and what I what I genuinely think this does a great job with the Riddler for, is that Batman doesn't always get it. No. Yeah. Because this he's he's well trained in like some form of fighting, but he's not like ninja trained. He's pretty smart. He's pretty well read, but he's not the smartest guy ever. This Batman is a Batman who's still coming up, who's still learning things. And so when he goes up against the guy who is actually the smartest guy in the room, he genuinely does not have all the pieces by the time the final confrontation comes. So there was the point at the end where he's like, he's he's telling Batman, like, and now our final part of my plan can commence. And Batman's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, come on, man. I gave you everything. How did you... Ah, oh, you're not that smart, are you? Like, they, they literally have that scene. And that's something that I think has always been missing from the Riddlers in the movies, is that Batman has always stood on equal footing as the Riddler in mm-hmm. terms of intellect. He's always been able to solve the Riddles and beat Riddler at his own game. But he didn't in this one. He straight up was not up to the task of handling these riddles. Yeah. That Cause it's after that scene
0: where he talks to him at Arkham, where he goes to his house again and then mm-hmm. investigates and finds the stuff and the computer chat rooms and whatever. Um, right. Yeah. But that scene in Arkham though is, is exceptionally well done. And you know, it's hard not to compare it to something like the Batman Joker scene in Dark Knight, because it's the idea right. of like, you've caught the villain and they have a one-to-one chat. And, and you know, in that case it was a police station that's case It's Arkham, but it's the same difference. Um, yeah what's so good about this one uh daniel's performance is good uh for a start Mm -hmm. i think he's very good in the role um there's a sort of great fake out here where it sounds like he's saying he knows that batman's bruce wayne and batman clearly thinks that as well and he looks up to the camera he's like wait is that recording audio are are other people hearing what he's saying right now um Mm -hmm. but then there's like a sort of moment of relief where it it turns out he's not calling him bruce wayne he's just yelling about Mm -hmm. bruce wayne because bruce wayne he's like he's the fake orphan like he's people say he's an orphan just like i was but no 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 he grew up mm-hmm. in a mansion with a butler like <laughs> like that's not being an yeah. orphan <laughs> uh and he goes on you know goes on this rant about how like he's the worst because of that and mm-hmm. it it's a really well done little sequence where oh, like yeah. batman legitimately looks like shit scared that he's figured out who he is
1: oh yeah and th- he, that's you were saying that in the beginning, is that this costume allows for a lot more like of the eyes to yeah. be able to show emotion. And yeah, that was 100% throughout that entire scene between the scare that he was figured out, the anger of not getting straight answers from the Riddler, and then the confusion of, wait, there's more. Yeah. All of that is sold through the eyes. All great stuff. Because, yeah, he's got
0: very little dialogue in that scene, <laughs> but it's still very effective. Uh, it's... Uh... Yeah, so that... I mean, that's most of the Riddler stuff, really. Uh, obviously, the big yeah. action set piece that comes out of this is that he... all I mean, his comrades, if you will, have, have blew up the dams around the city, so they start flooding. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of... They've got a lot of people in the arena to try and get away from the water, but it starts flooding. Uh, there's a great action sequence because Riddler sent... Like, all these people that follow Riddler are going there to just start shooting people from the rafters. So it's, it's a very... Right almost really dark like true to life kind of like plan oh yeah uh you know I, I felt the severity of it uh but batman mm-hmm. ends up fighting them up there was like, and it's a great sequence of him fighting these guys up there where he's like again he's getting hit with bullets and he's like throwing mm-hmm. a gun at someone's head and like just punching and it feels quite visceral catwoman does kind of come back out of the story here a little bit to you know shop and save the day a little um which is kill cool. I, I guess the one thing that maybe they could have done to make it feel like catwoman was more of a, even though our story with Falcone was done already at this point, if Mm. if she'd maybe learned something in this, or maybe like come to agree with Batman in something in this film, like set of sequences it may have justified. Uh,
1: Yeah. Honestly, the whole thing just came down of stopping Batman. I think it was, wasn't she the thing of once he was knocked out or whatever, she was like, Hey, you're good. Yeah. You, You, you fix the problem. Stay down. Stop killing yourself for this yeah that was pretty much the only point she served being there
0: but he um it'll be as his big emotional moment where he, he saves the people and they mm-hmm. all get to see him being heroic There uh, the other big riddle scene before this though which was heavily hinted that in the trailers is the, the funeral scene where they all yes. go to the funeral of the, the the mayor the ex-mayor uh or the mm-hmm. dead mayor I mean, That's if you call him an ex-mayor at that point uh but they go to the funeral. Bruce is there as Bruce. Uh, there's others, and it also sets up that there's because there's a guy that he thinks maybe the Riddler. We know it's not because we know it's Paul Dano, but hmm. there's it's obviously one of the followers. I think it's actually the guy you see at the end, like up in the the rafters of the arena. It may be the same actor, huh. um, okay. but this idea that there's like some people there who agree that with the Riddler or hate like the mayor and hate like and they're 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 becoming yeah. extremists. But, you know, the car comes in and it's the Riddler has set up the, the, the corrupt DA as a trap and he wants Batman to come in and talk to him. And the the whole sequence is very good. And the whole point of it is that Riddler just wants the guy to admit, like, a bunch of things, admit how much he, he stole money-wise or how much mm-hmm. he was paid off to, like, look the other way. Right. And he does, he answers all the questions until the last one, which is, like, who's the rat? And he's not willing yeah. to do it because he thinks his family will be hurt if he if he gives up who the rat is. Because so... it's, like, a city-wide conspiracy yeah. so the 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 bomb ultimately goes off and that whole sequence is very good but it leads to like a really interesting scene where batman gets knocked out and the police actually take his unconscious body to the station and right. obviously my first question is like well is no one going to try to unmask him but immediately like gordon's in they're like no you take your hands off that mask like he's mm-hmm. there like
1: running defense for him the yeah. entire time and uh, even then as soon as as soon as we see him come back to consciousness as soon as someone, someone just touches his ear he's up off that table ready to punch someone
0: yeah and, and there, it's like a tiny room full of like 50 cops <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, it's <laughs> like, like they are not taking this guy lately like they're ready to fight like in right. mass if they need to uh, and ultimately they're not willing to let him go or like play ball with them and Gordon mm-hmm. says like let me talk to him alone I'll get him to like do stuff and Gordon mm-hmm. immediately is like alright if you go out that door you get to the rooftop uh, you're gonna have to hit <laughs> me to make it look good and it's, 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 it's like, there's not a lot of humor in it, but there is some little funny moments where, so he, he punches Gordon so that Gordon doesn't look like he's letting him go. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the next time he sees Gordon back at the bat, signal he's like, you could have pulled that punch, you know? <laughs> you didn't have to like hit me that hard. And Batman's like, I did. Oh yeah, that was the, that was the real
1: punchline there. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> that, but that was, no, just just moment. on that scene though, it goes into another thing of, uh, one of my major problems I had with the Nolan movies was, there was always a device. There was always mm. a thing that was just a bit too far for the world that they established. There was the microwave emitter, there was the sonar yeah. with the uh, phones. That's, that's fair, that's fair. And there was the nuke, obviously. But there was always a device. This movie, he got up to the roof, but the cops are chasing him, there's no way off for him. And, and it's and... worth mentioning,
0: he's clearly never been st- stood up on a gargoyle before that scene, because he looked oh, no. shit-scared.
1: Yeah, he was like, "Oh, jeez, okay," but he gets up there, and then I'm imagining the entire, the entire Batman begins part of the fabric that you send the current through, and then it turns into the glider, and which, you're able which, to by just the
0: glide way, off. I I do still love that gadget in particular because I thought it looked mm-hmm. good, and it looked, yeah. like the, it looked like the bat wings, and it looked like the bat symbol flying through the air whenever he put it out. Right. So it was it was good.
1: Yeah, but this is different. This is more practical. This is more. Oh yeah. So th- as soon as he as soon as he gets up there, he 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 pulls a string or whatever on his utility belt, and he he just essentially turns into an inflatable like life raft, but for a wingsuit. Like it's fully inflated. It comes off the sides of his suit, and he just has a wingsuit that he jumps down, and his entire you can see him mapping out the plan in his head of all I need to do is grapple onto that bus, and then like the inertia. I'll be able to like slow down on it. Cool, let's do that. And he goes and he uses a grapple hook. I think he hits whatever he was aiming at, but he misjudged how far the bus would be, and he like slams into a bridge and gets all messed up. And going back to Batman Earth 1 for the last time, the first few pages of that book are Batman completely misjudging a jump and falling down into an alley and then just laying there completely bruised up like just saying "ow" to himself and that's what i felt that moment was and all the quintessential this is a diy batman who just put all this together because he thought i might need this this is the quintessential moment of he while he may feel like he's in control of things he may be able to do whatever this was a moment that he had no control over and he was just lucky to make it out alive
0: yeah, and, you know, you he, he sort of pulls a string, and I think he zips the cape up, because it sort of, like, comes in and yeah. closes. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like a wingsuit, and it's like, okay, this is actually, like, a real thing that people do. Right. It's a exactly. thing that exists. Um, it's. The, I mean, honestly, though, the only time I spotted, like, a bit of visual effect that didn't hold up completely to my eye was when he landed, because it was clearly a CG Batman rolling. Yeah. And I thought... You know, I mean, don't be me wrong. Like, I understand why it's CG, but it was the only moment in the whole movie where I went, "Oh, the CG there." Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that I'm sure there are other examples that do exist as oh, CG, yeah. but that was the only one I noticed and went, "Oh, that was CG."
1: Yeah, but I mean, I just that was just in terms of the writing. Yes, there were the moments earlier on, and you see him in his outfit and stuff like that, implying that this is a Batman who, while he has been around, he hasn't yet become the true, like, Batman that we know. He's still learning. That was the moment that I felt really salted of. He may be in over his head. And then it only, from that point on, really elaborated on that. It really kept building of, like, Riddler's got stuff over his head. He has no idea of his own family history. He has no, like, he, he is so much more in the dark than he thought he was about not only his city, but his own personal life. And that, the, I mean, it really started with the scene of the cops taking him in and the bomb going off. But that that was where it started of, this is not a Batman who is in control of things, as we typically see Batman always being one step ahead of everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's something I'd expect to see in, if not the, the direct sequel, maybe, if this is a trilogy, the third one, mm-hmm. to actually get a sense of, like, him being a step ahead of the villain, whoever it is, and like having yeah. that badass kind of "I'm Batman" bitch moment. Not saying that, obviously, because that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But that that effective moment. And um, and I don't know how much we're going to jump ahead timeline wise when we go to a second oh, movie. No, is, is it is it right after? Is it going a little bit ahead in his career so we can have more changes? I mean, I don't know. But no. um, yeah, I, I like that. That is a really standout scene because it does feel so distinctly different and more. Uh, like just like I say DIY Batman effectively yeah. <laughs> uh, so no good stuff um, yeah I, I think that's most of the Riddler stuff uh, I suppose the other yeah, thing is that what's revealed about is that there was like a, a trust fund thing kind of set up that the that Thomas Wayne was doing that as yeah. soon as he died all of like, the, the corrupt cops and like judges in the city all decide to start using to just like put all their 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 dodgy money through. All the dirty money goes through this fun thing. Yeah, Uh, And
1: it's like... I mean, not even that. It was just the fact of... Basically, Thomas put his... Put this massive fortune out there of like, hey, a billion dollars to Gotham. Use it without all the bureaucratic red tape. Just use it to improve Gotham. And because it didn't have that bureaucratic red tape, everyone was able to just go in and be like, I'll have that, sure, yoink. And then not do anything about it. So that was what ended up funding all of the... Like mayoral campaigns, it ended up funding uh, some of the mobsters rise to power. And that's where the entire Riddler's plot hinges upon is that these were all the people who were involved. in? I think it was like the initiative fund, I think it was called. And all the people who were involved with that. That's why Riddler sees Thomas Wayne as corrupt, not because he inherently did anything. It doesn't even tie into the Falcone incident it all came down to the fact that he's the one who made this fund that made the city so much worse. Yeah. And I I don't think he knows that he was innocent of any
0: of this because he is innocent oh. in the sense that he didn't, you know, he he genuinely set that up as a good thing, but then yeah. it was misused by... And
1: I'm sure if he was still around to manage it, it would oh, have sure, been
0: a good yeah.
2: thing.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he would have had something to say about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's the stuff that's set up there. Obviously, I, I think at one point someone said they're a fan of and it does feel like setting up the family history in Gotham feels like it might be setting up some court Rowles stuff. Uh, yeah. Also, the name Elliot, I
1: do believe, was mentioned. Uh, yeah, that was the name of the um, the reporter. His The reporter's name, I believe, was Thomas Elliot, that he was he was going to have killed, and of course did have killed. Yeah. But specifically during that scene, because it was told via... Visual montage that Riddler put together. As that part was going on, he said uh, Thomas used it as a hush money, and he made sure yeah. to have the word "hush" appear on screen. So I'm losing my mind during that part. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Right. If you don't know, Thomas Elliot plays as a villain called Hush. That is a big mm-hmm. arc in the Batman comic where he tries to basically rob Bruce's life away from him. Right. Um. So. Really interesting that's to the, see because in that path. That's
1: the one I feel really has the biggest odds. Just from they specifically put the word hush there. We have a thing of who how much Bruce Wayne is there really to Batman already pre set up. I feel like it fits in perfectly to the universe I, I think in it would general.
0: Make a good movie, although steampunk Mr. Freeze was
1: is my number <laughs> one wish. <laughs> I mean, we have we had three villains in this movie if you count Catwoman as a villain. So we can have a couple. And then the final one, I don't even know if you would consider this as a thing, but during the Batman is knocked down, he is out, um, Catwoman is being attacked by one of the Riddler's goons, and she's putting up a fight but is not able to do so, and Batman pulls something out of his utility belt that looks like a green liquid of sorts, and then injects himself with it, to which he is immediately up. And very brutally attacking this guy. I know we um, go. I think this is a stretch. I this is just. A dra- I don't know. I think that's just adrenaline. adrenaline. That's just adrenaline to get that's him up, what, off the ground. That's what I think so too. If they ever, <laughs> if they ever don't want to take that path, but I think that it is the fact that it was green. They could have made that any color. Okay, you The think fact that it so, was green.
0: Just to state this clearly for everyone who's not getting what David's saying, David yes. is implying that this is some early form of Venom, which is what
1: Bane mm-hmm. uses. Be- and the only reason I also think that is because in the Bat comics, Venom was introduced long before Bane. That's, that's true. Venom. Yeah. Venom was introduced in a story arc all about just Venom, and it was just a street drug that Batman got hooked on because it made him stronger and faster and better. I think that would be a perfect fit in this world as well. It would of be- Batman is pushing himself so hard that he needs something to keep going. And then Man, this presents itself. Could we get a third movie Bane before we even get like the first...
0: Like Clayface. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> that that would be wild. But I mean I yeah. wouldn't be against it. I mean Bane's a great character. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. But as far as for for a mix of different reasons, but one mainly just being that I would like a cool Mr. Freeze. I think a, a steampunk Mr. Freeze would be uh <laughs> Yeah. I, I know I said cool, no pun intended, but oh, uh, that's... Yeah. That's what it is. Um Yeah, so yeah, so we have to talk about Catwoman a bit. We have to talk about some of those yeah, other sure. elements, the detective elements. Because um, when he goes to see Catwoman for the first time, and it, so one of the big driving forces of the movie, I don't, I don't even mention this shit. but Catwoman's mm. roommate uh, is yeah. the girl who was photographed with the mayor. So the mayor was having like a fling with a girl at the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Catwoman's roommate. Everyone's kind of after her. She disappears very early on, and... To, because she's what well, she wants to find out where her roommate is and because she cares about that she's willing to help mm-hmm. batman so selena agrees to go undercover because she already works at the club uh as yeah. selena so she goes in with the the contact lenses on and has an earpiece and all the rest of it and goes in and batman's monitoring from like a van just watching what she's seeing and talking to her and even that felt really can't be me as, as they're working oh, yeah. together like this but I, and this is it ahead, but I really, because eventually when Batman's pushing too hard about her connection to Falcone, obviously she later reveals that it's her father, and I knew that because mm-hmm. of you know, comics. But uh, yeah. later on, I love that she, like, turns it on and just has a note saying, I need to see you for mm-hmm. me to find. I, I just like that detail. Yeah. Uh, but... So just
1: anytime he comes back to the camera, he can just, yeah. Oh, hey.
0: Yeah, it was. It's, it's another form of a bat signal, effectively, right? Yeah, pretty In fact, much. She also uses that actually, because at one point later on, uh, the bat signals are and Gordon and Batman both shop at the the where it is at the same time. Go wait, mm-hmm. that's not you. And Gordon's like pulls yeah. out his gun. He's like, oh, "Let's go up. Let's find out who this is." <laughs> and it's Selena wanting to kill uh, the corrupt cop uh, Kenzie. Oh, there What's you go. His name? And yeah. oh, Batman stops her. Of course, doesn't let her mm-hmm. do it. Uh, she does try to kick him off the roof, but uh, or. The, the, it's not the roof quite, but it's high up on this yeah. building and site. Yeah, you
1: say try to. I mean, she does. Yeah. She does straight up kick him, but then she uses that as her escape so that she can go to Falcone before Batman or... Because that, during that scene is the big reveal of pretty much the entire plot. Pretty yeah, much, Yeah, yeah. They're basically realizing
0: what all the corruption is and it's a mm-hmm. race to get to Falcone. Selena's going there to like murder him. And because it is his daughter... I mean, although I, I didn't actually realize that Falcone didn't know that. I, I thought the reason why Flaconi, like, spoke to her at all earlier on is because he knew it was his daughter. Uh, but it, So it was actually quite dark to me later on when she sort of revealed it, and it was, like, a sort of, like, shocking moment for him. I was like, wait, you were flirting with her because you thought she was hot?
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of ways to make a scumbag. That's an effective one. <sighs> he was trying
0: to... Try to get with it. I mean he didn't know it was his daughter but it doesn't it's no. still creepy
1: it's still like... then again then again she also he I believe that during that first encounter he also said something along the lines of like oh it's been a while since I've seen you around here that it so clearly she had been trying to get close to him for a while for mm. whatever reason and of course Catwoman's whole plot just in between there is that um, she was Falcone okay going back further Maroni was taken <laughs> down because of a drug. I think it was called like poppers or something. Yeah, that's like a
0: saw Yeah, in movie. Yeah. Drug. Yeah.
1: Just whatever it's called. And basically they thought that once they put Moroni away, all those drugs were taken off the street. But then it's revealed that Falcone just picked up right where they left off and it never even stopped. Um and so Catwoman is orchestrating a massive heist of the money that's being used to buy these drugs basically because she believes she's owed it by virtue of her father being Falcone. so that's essentially the general everything of her plot and i i may be mistaken but i believe she gets away with it i think she gets away with a duffel bag full of money i don't remember her ever giving it back so i, I, I think she gets at least, i think she had like a couple of bags and uh, cuz this is the scene
0: at least of the car chase with the batmobile mm-hmm. and there's like a gunfight but when she's leaving on the motorbike, oh, she insane. does she does grab one bag. So I think she only gets like half of it. But I mean, yeah, she does yeah. <laughs> she does get away with she,
1: a duffel bag of money. Yeah. And I mean, should we just real quick on that motor that chase scene with the Batmobile? Oh, it's wonderful. It's perfect, man. They build like, it that's up
0: the Yeah, they they build it up. Like Ugh. it feels like a, a louder version of the main theme plays and mm-hmm. it's all sort of done from the perspective of Penguin trying to get away from him, and him and penguin being reckless and trying to cause accidents on the motorway uh right. to to crash batman and he thinks he gets and it's in that trailer as well actually that first trailer where or maybe it's the second trailer but it's where mm-hmm. like he thinks he's got batman because there's the big explosion because the tanker goes up and he's like i got right. you i got you and then the batmobile comes flying out the, the, the fire
1: God, that shot my my, my again I saw this with my girlfriend and she doesn't know anything about this stuff. She's not huge on comic book movies in general, but when that when that shot happened, all I see from the chair next to me, cause I'm glued to the screen. Yeah. But all I see from the chair next to me is her hand going <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, no, that's fair, I understand, but, like, shut up.
0: To be fair, though, to be fair, there is a shot that clearly shows why it jumps, because it's like the back of one of those uh, trucks that, you know, that cars Mm -hmm. get transported on, and you just see it kind of fall into place. Like, Mm -hmm. it's almost a little eye roll that it perfectly forms a ramp, but it does form a ramp. (laughs) You see a ramp being
1: made. Like, you know he's going to be jumping through those flames. But the moment it happened is not taken away at all. No, you're just like that is oh, a chef's kiss, perfect. Yes, and then of course he he runs into Penguin's uh, car, he like flips it over, and then you get that that long Walk. saunter with the metal boots just hitting the ground as he walks towards the car. I that I mean that scene just straight up, that's what sold that Batmobile for me as yeah. And there's a just lot of comedy as
0: well because when when they're done interrogating Penguin and realize he wasn't the rat, they just mm-hmm. leave him there where the bat signal yeah. is, and he's like ha- he's like tied up, he's getting no, all like phone or death. He's like, you just going to leave me here, guys? Mm-hmm. And he just starts yelling things, and it, it just made me laugh. It, it was and funny.
1: Of course, he's tied up on his feet as well, so he literally has to waddle after them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like at a Penguin. <laughs>
0: no, nah, it's it, it's great. Uh, yeah. All that was really entertaining. And so mm-hmm. there's this race to get to. Falcone catwoman wants to murder him batman's racing there and that's where we get a lot of the action stuff where he's going through the hallway of darkness and taking out yeah. all the bad guys because because she's able to get in because she's supposed to be there and Falcone will let her in to see him mm-hmm. uh, under the guise of he's a horny old bastard uh whereas batman of course they're going to try and stop so he he's sort of like yeah. against the, the time uh but he turns off the lights at one point which so She's already made her move. Falcone knows she's trying to kill him, but it's, they're in mm-hmm. darkness, so he's kind of t- sneaking around there a little bit. And Batman yeah. does eventually get in there. Um, although there's a moment where Falcone lets slip that he also killed her mother. Because that's one of the things, is that she yeah. she feels like her mother was hurt, you know mistreated by Falcone. Turns out he was literally the one who killed her. Uh, oh, yeah. He's like, I have to strangle you, just like your mother. Like He says something like that. Yeah.
1: And that was also the thing of why she was... Really dead set at that particular moment was, she heard a uh, phone recording that set the whole reveal into motion of her friend on the phone. The roommate, like, trying, yeah, yeah, the roommate that was lost, being strangled by Falcone. That like, and just very viscerally, uh, all, like all the little noises and stuff like that before she finally hangs it up. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I'd be pissed. Yeah, I understand oh yeah. where she's coming from. No, she's got motivation, like for sure. Yeah. There's there's no no doubt in that. Uh, yeah. so yeah, but of course, she's going after Falcone with a gun the whole time, which is, of course, a big no no to Batman. So by the end of the scene, uh, she, she, the moment I've mentioned before that I know from the comics is Catwoman always at some point has to use her claws to scar Falcone, mm-hmm. like that's just the thing, and she does that here, she digs her nails into his face. Um, but as she's finally Got the leg up and is going to try to kill Falcone. Batman comes in and just says, like, no, stop it. Let him face real justice. Like, you're done and, here. You're and, good. and this
0: leads to a big moment because right before this, when when they're on the rooftop and they're hearing the recordings and they've like basically gotten all the the exposition of what the conspiracy's been and how, how much the police force are corrupt and Gordon's second by it, Batman's second by it. And the last time Batman was with the rest of the police is when they were all chasing him at the police station, like they they were determined yeah. to bring him in. When they take Falcone out of this uh this building, out of the Iceberg Lounge, and Falcone's mm. been cocky, well I'll get out in ten minutes, don't you know that the police force work in this city work for me? Like I'm the one right. they work for. And they open the door and Gordon's standing there with a good amount of like police and he just mm-hmm. says, Not all of them. And the right. idea being that Gordon has went and assembled all of the honest cops. Like all the ones mm. who are good enough that they're going to help yeah. take him down. There's a lot sp- of them. Yeah, and it kind of feels like, okay, these are the ones that might not will try to take Batman in. These are the ones mm-hmm. who... So, like, it, it's a nice payoff to that. And then, of course, there's a sniper. Riddler sniper sh- kills him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Placone yeah. dies anyway. But uh, that, that that spirals into the rest of the plot with Riddler and all the big mm-hmm. Climax stuff. Yep. Uh, but,
1: you know, it, it does again. But again, feel- that, that is the issue, though, as we brought up before, is yeah. that that is the end of Catwoman's development. And yeah. we still have the entire, like, third act to go. So that was the one structural issue of there is nothing more for Catwoman to do beyond that point, And there's no real easy way to Shit. shuffle things around to get her more later.
0: Yeah, beyond just ultimately be willing to jump in and help, effectively. Yeah. Which I do think is an important part of Catwoman is that she is willing to help Batman when, like, people are in danger. Like, oh, yeah. I think it's fine to have a moment like that. But I do kind of agree, it did feel like her story was just done like in terms mm-hmm. of like her growing as a character which is why i'd say maybe if like batman proved to her in some way in that final act of like maybe not killing people or something where maybe mm-hmm. she also got some of that point just so that she it felt like she had like a, a cut final beat in that sense yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but like you know it, it is a relatively minor quibble in this grand scheme of things because oh, yeah. it does feel like this epic where there's these like all it, the city feels alive because you have the corruption you have Falcone's connection to Catwoman, you have the connection to the Wayne parents, you have the connection to why Riddler's motivated to do all this stuff, and you have the fight for the good cops versus the corrupt cops and all the rest of it. All of this is all coexisting and sort of spiraling into each other constantly throughout Mm -hmm. the movie. And that's what kind of makes it feel impressive and part of what made it feel like a sort of six-issue arc to me where I wouldn't suggest breaking it up into six parts, but I believe you could, and it would feel like each one has a significant event in them to like make it feel like
1: they're worth viewing that way. Oh, definitely. It's, um, what is it? It's the, what was that Tarantino movie? Hateful Eight, I believe it was. Sure. That it was split into, like, sections. Like, yeah, yeah. literal sections. Um, And when they did the version, extended version on Netflix, they stopped, they stopped the movie for it, and they turned it into a miniseries of those four sections. So I don't think that this would help in watching the movie at all but it is an it is a concept of you could take this particular section and despite the fact that it is a narrative flow it is moving on i think that having the the end of the scene of catwoman versus falcone being the end of an issue would make it feel a whole lot better of that being the end of catwoman's arc And then having the next issue pick up with and totally being walked
0: out—it's totally weird. Like I can mm-hmm. imagine that final full page spread of Falcone's body lying in the ground with Batman right. over him as the final page of the penultimate issue, mm-hmm.
1: perhaps of the, of the of the
0: comic series. Like it feels and that they, way.
1: There's so I don't know if they still have these, but there used to be the whole thing of like the movie adaptations into novels. Uh-huh. I want. I want one of this. Just get, <laughs> just get Sorrentino again on art because it would fit perfectly. And just do this, beat for beat, six issues. I'd love it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying six because that's the
0: common length. Maybe it's seven. Yeah. If, I, if I actually broke it down, it and, and like thought about it, right. maybe it'd be seven. But uh, the the point of that, I mean, it's not just because it's authentic to comic book storytelling. It's more the point is more just that it's not a three act structure. There's there's more right. than that. And sometimes that can be a a stumbling block for anything that tries to do something more creative because those general rules are followed and exist for a reason, is because they're they're safety nets. But it doesn't mean that you can't make more unique structures work and you can't make other ideas and styles work. And I I think this largely does. This does work. for sure. uh, I was engaged the whole time.
1: The only thing that really surprised me was the movies... ended by the narration it's yes they at the very beginning and there at the very end and i believe the date he puts at the very end is november 6th it's, it's like a week yeah this whole thing is a week and i like that concept of that like all this stuff happened so quickly but it's amazing to me that all the stuff did happen so quickly and like there's if there's one thing i know for sure about the second movie is that it has mm-hmm. to start an narration. oh yeah no there yeah. has to be a motif that carries over yeah. everything
0: that has to be the same again in every one of these movies that are part mm-hmm. of this series now uh, sure. I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I suppose we can talk about the one scene that I don't like. Yeah, <laughs> I know,
1: now, now that you tell me what it, where it's located, I know exactly which one you're talking about.
0: And it's, don't get me wrong. I also had one of the biggest sighs of relief during this scene as well. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. why. So before last okay. movie came out, there was rumors slash people campaigning for either Jared Leto to appear as the Joker or... Joaquin Phoenix to appear as the Joker. And I can't tell you for as much as I'm going to complain about this scene, I cannot tell you the relief I felt when it was clearly not one of those two. Right. I felt I so that.
1: relieved. I was the I get that. See, I mean my opinions on Joaquin <sighs> Phoenix are a bit different than yours, but if the if that was, if I heard that eh, 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 from Jared Leto, <laughs> I would have left the theater right then like i would not have gotten that heartwarming moment on the roof does it doesn't
0: matter that the rest of it was exceptional that would have ruined no. the whole thing
1: <laughs> i wouldn't have seen batman and catwoman going their separate ways on motorbikes and no, just there was jared leto joker and that's all i needed to know
0: i think for for one i would have cut this out and put it as the mid or post credit scene just because it felt hmm. so separate and it just kind of ruined the flow a little bit of the ending but also because it and i like I have heard the theory that because Reeves is a big fan of the 66 Batman movie and the Joker being here means that every villain from that movie is also in this one, is a neat touch and maybe kind of inspires beyond just the sequel bait or the we want to have a Joker cameo bait of it. Fair enough. I can appreciate that, but it doesn't change the fact that it cut to Arkham, Riddler's in his cell, and I'm like, we're about to get a Joker tease because that's why we're cutting back to Arkham. There's no other reason here. Like, obviously, it cuts back to Riddler's reaction when he sees Batman on the news being a hero and it kind of makes him freak out and he screams and that was entertaining and he's got a good performance. Um, But you hear this voice, and I think it's a combination of a couple of things. One, it feels a little tacked on that we're doing the Joker tease because we don't need it. Like, we know we're going to get a Joker. There's no successful Batman trilogy or series of movies that is not (laughs) going to do a Joker. It's just never going to happen.
1: I mean, I'm okay with them not doing the Joker. I just want... It goes back to everything that's. Oh, I'm okay with them if not doing it. It's a good story. It, I'm okay with. Yeah,
0: it. I'm okay with them not doing it, but they're always going to. So just yeah, to accept it for sure. So and part of the problem is is that the perfect tease for a Joker was already done at the end of Batman Begins. You're never topping them on the rooftop at yeah. the signal. Something's going on. Here's the playing card. Shit, it's I mean, time for that Joker. Was,
1: that was basically year one. minus yeah. the playing card, but yeah, that
0: was. Yeah, that is the perfect tease of the Joker. So having, like, him give this weird little speech to sort of make Riddler feel better and that, no, Gotham's a place for us crazies to do things. Or you know, mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact wording, but it's a combination of it feeling tacked on, of it feeling like I've already had the perfect sequel tease for a Joker, so this mm-hmm. just feels a bit iffy. I also, I didn't
1: love the voice that I heard so far. Yeah. It's I mean, like, from what... From what I looked, just from what I was able to make out, because they keep him pretty much completely in shadow the whole time.
0: You see, like you see, like, the, it's, like it's like the uh, the slot in the door, like where they put yeah. their foot through. You see, like a
1: little bit of like his mouth at one point, and it right. looks like he's got the scarring. Exactly, it looks like if it looks like they actually went through with the idea of okay, what if a man fell into a vat of acid? How would he look? No, and but he's I'm not. Okay. He, but he's not got the white paint though. No, I didn't. I couldn't tell color personally no he
0: did not have the white paint this was definitely this was veering more towards heath ledger he's got scarring on his mouth but he paints his face okay but
1: that's what i'm saying is that i thought it was scarring i thought it looked like more of his face was scarred than just his mouth
0: yeah i mean it looked like it was more over the top
2: but
1: yeah but point being is that i'm okay with what i've got from the visual, which is just a very small amount but like you said the voice was majority of it he was just talking to the riddler through the slot and you're right in that i don't know what it was and i've only ever seen clips of it but it reminded me of the joker or i guess they never actually called him joker but that character from the gotham tv show Mm. where it just felt like it's someone trying to do a joker it is not a joker yeah I that's wonder, how it came off to me
0: i wonder if they're married to this actor they've got for this for the next one or whatever because honestly if they never do joker again and it was just this little scene like i, I would mm-hmm. think that was cool except for the fact that i think he's not very good <laughs> but yeah. i would think it was cool the idea that you just have a joker and arkham to establish that one day there'll be a joker but we're not going to do it because we've done it too many times so we're just going right. to do other villains but yeah. uh, i'm okay with there being a joker i'm okay with Him being a big part of the second or third movie, whatever one you want to focus on, the Joker, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't in love with what I heard or even the writing of what this Joker was saying. It just felt a little bit weird. And the idea that he's
1: like, I don't know, like. Yeah, I kept waiting for him to do something off of like riddles and jokes and like just make some actual joke at some point in there.
0: He said too much. Honestly, I think the camera just going across to the next door and just having the name say unknown and just hearing maybe a little bit of a laugh would have been way more effective to me than this monologue that he
1: gives to Riddler. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't remember it offhand, but I know that there's a cell number in Arkham that's always associated with the Joker. Uh, If you just, like, panned over and showed that number and then that's it. Like, even then, that would just be, yeah, sure, nobody else would, like, get it, it would just be for the comics fans. But at the same point, I don't know. This always struck me and it's been striking me ever since it came out. Whenever they do stuff like this is the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Of just walking down the hall of the entire Sinister Six. And And I'm like... I think that's why it hurts
0: because the rest of this movie, despite the fact that it's a Batman movie and obviously it's going to make a lot of money, it's going to get sequels, they've already announced TV spinoffs. It doesn't feel like a mass-produced off a factory line movie. It feels like a director's movie. It feels like it has its own unique style, tone. It it feels like a real film. And I know that sounds a bit pretentious, but I mean it, I really do mean it. And I think this scene feels like, no, this is a scene that Disney put in a Marvel movie to tease their expanded universe. Or like you just gave the Sony version of, we're gonna do the expanded Mm -hmm. Sinister Six with all these villains. This scene felt kinda like that in a movie that otherwise completely avoided feeling like that. Yeah, I I think that's what... I think that's the, the big disappointment of this scene existing is.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you really boil it down, though, I think the biggest difference between this scene in this movie as compared to the last scene in Batman Begins is that the way that that scene was played was, yes, it felt like it was teasing the Joker in Batman's future. It didn't inherently feel like they were teasing the next movie. I don't know why it is. I don't know I can't point to a specific thing of it being like hey, this is just something that Batman is going to face soon. It's not something that you may see. Whereas this feels like it is specifically, nope, this is exactly what you're going to get in the next movie. And I can't point to exactly what it is, but it that, I feel like that's what lets it down a little bit of just that over cockiness after so many times, especially in DC, we've been disappointed with, oh, no, don't worry. It's definitely going to work this time, guys. (laughs) It's just that overcockiness that we're like, can we please just pump the brakes a little bit? I disagree slightly, just in the
0: sense that uh, on Batman Begins, I I do think it Mm -hmm. feels like they're saying Joker's the next movie, but I think, one, you've just gotten a great version of Batman's origin and they're saying you're going to get to see what this version of Batman's Joker is. It's genuinely exciting. And at that point, we were not sick of the joker yet but as a as a, yeah, as, as, a as, as a world at large there wasn't overexposure of joker at that point right. it's a little bit different now right where there's been a joker movie that's been this weird own project plus there's been mm. a joker in the the snyder stuff plus joker's used constantly in the comics he's used on the tv shows there's a lot of joker uh but i don't mind there being a joker i i don't mind them doing joker I think at this point, though, we don't really have to tease him. And I certainly don't think you wanted to give him a monologue where you're kind of nailing down what the voice and, like, kind of, like, yeah. version of Joker's going to be. Leave that open a little bit, because by far the thing I dislike the most in this movie, maybe the only thing I outright dislike is the Joker scene.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's really... If you if you told me, like, okay, start at 100%, like, this, give this movie a rating at 100% or 10 out of 10 And then just tick off things for every fault it has. I wouldn't have that many, but this, that last scene would definitely be one of them. That, that would be the one nick in the armor that I would definitely put in of like, no, that, that didn't need to be there. And you say it would work as a post credit scene, but honestly, I would be, I think I would be more disappointed of sitting through however many credits to get to that point. The
0: only reason why I say that is because mm-hmm. I don't think it would infect the rest of the movie as much because it would feel more separate.
1: No, that's fair. Uh, yeah.
0: That's why I'm... I say that. And also because it does kind of feel like a mid credit scene that just happens to take place before the final right. scene of the movie.
1: Honestly, it it does strike me as a sort of thing, just from the way it's placed in, it may have been a mid credit scene and maybe just someone from WB says, no, let's not copy Marvel too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we... Because th- this movie, it didn't have a mid credit scene. It had one short little bit of something at the very end of the credits yeah it, just, it wasn't even yeah. new footage it was just it was about a text, the same thing. basically yeah exactly so yeah i think it, it may have started as a mid credit scene uh-huh. and
0: what's funny is there was a sizzle reel for like all of dc's movies for the rest of the mm-hmm. year and, like, half of them have been pushed to next year and now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is funny to me, but... Uh, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, worst scene in the movie by far. Outright mm-hmm. disliked it. It's, it, like, we, yeah, we've made some suggestions or have said maybe there's, like, some small nitpicky improvements you can make to things no, here no, or there. No, no. But we have been extremely positive. And I, I love the overall oh. feel of how this movie progresses, the detective feel of it, the performances, the mood, the style, the fact that the city feels like a city with a character, it feels alive. Like... I think there's multiple locations you start to feel like are set locations in this, and it's not just like because he's not at Wayne Manor, he's at like a like a it's like a penthouse in the Wayne building he's in for most of this movie. Right. But he um, like the Iceberg Lounge feels like a location we keep revisiting. The uh, the work site where the bat signal is we keep revisiting. Uh, like there's these places we keep going back to, um, and mm-hmm. even the fact that the where the Riddler's hiding is a is an apartment across from the iceberg Lounge. And then we run to a <sighs> diner that's around the corner. It feels like we're getting just a little bit of character and geography from all this. And I, yeah. I like that. Uh, that's really, really neat. Uh, so, yeah, the final scenes of the movie. Um, other than Batman the and saying that he has to be something else. It doesn't say that. I, I'm saying the Arrow thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it has to be someone else. Something else. Uh, dun, 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 dun but uh, it's it's kind of a weird final scene because it it kind of like plays the the departure of Batman and Catwoman because they do kiss there is a kiss Mm -hmm. uh, between them and there is definitely sort of like flirtatious looks and there's definitely a connection between them throughout it's very well done yeah but it's her saying she has to leave I I have to admit they got a cheap pop out of me for Bloodhaven I was yeah "Yeah, I'm going upstate maybe Bloodhaven I was like oh
1: Reeves, you bastard you could have said anything you could have said any real city you could have yeah. put in anything but you chose Bloodhaven for a reason and I appreciate it I like that uh, but she said she's
0: leaving because like she's done now like her dad's plot's wrapped up she has no reason to be here and mm-hmm. this was one of those moments where I kind of felt like she was saying hey come with me and I was getting flashbacks to Dark Knight Rises with the you know you've yeah. given this city everything mm-hmm. yeah you know come with me not everything not yet not yet uh, and I like that scene and I like that movie uh i know people some people don't like darney rises i will i will stick my neck out for most of it yes is it perfect Is does talia a little bit shit talia's a little bit shit sure but there's a lot of great things in that movie anyway Mm -hmm. uh so there's a kiss and they go their separate ways but we end in this moment where they they both ride their motorbikes off because they get the same same turning point and they turn in the the different directions one goes left one goes Mm -hmm. right I and mean, we just end on a close-up of Batman looking in his mirror at her leaving. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Catwoman's definitely coming back. Maybe she'll skip a movie, but I don't even think she'll skip a movie. I feel like she'll show up at some point in the second movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends on, A, filming schedules, be what the story demands. But I do think that she is, she's, she has to come back at some point or yeah. another. I think Penguin's going to be in more. I, I, I don't think Penguin will have as much screen time in a
0: sequel, but I do think there'll be a reason to go see him at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, Penguin's the one that's getting the TV spinoff, right? Yeah, but that, a... that's set before, though. That's a prequel. I think. Oh, that's a prequel? Okay,
0: then th- I'm not th- sure then. I think it is, anyway, from memory. But, okay. Uh, even if it isn't, I think, you know, because it leaves him in a place where he's going to take over Falcone's empire. Right. So he's
1: going to become yeah. the Penguin we kind of know and love.
0: But it's going sense. to be,
1: basically, it's going to be yet another cop crackdown because they have shown all the corrupt cops out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think there's always that turning point in any Batman continuity, mythology, whatever, where the gangsters stop being the threat and the freaks, the like actual supervillains start being the major threat to Gotham. And I feel like this movie was like exactly that turning point. It was right there where, The main mobster's taken down. There's a big, like, an actual real crackdown instead of a fake crackdown that they had before. And the first real supervillain showed up.
0: Yeah, which is why I think if Hush is going to be a villain, because part of me thinks that was just, like, a wink-wink Easter egg. Because because it was, like, one, they're saying he's dead, and two, they said the the word Hush was used in the headline.
1: I was like, for the comic fans... Specifically, they actually said that the reporter's dead, leaving uh. behind a son. That's true. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. right. Uh,
0: so they may that maybe a seed for later. Maybe they'll not use it. Maybe mm-hmm. they will. But I think if to do is hush. I don't know if he's super villainy enough that I think he carries the whole movie on his own.
1: No, but I, again, I, I think, it seems like
0: ev- it seems like every movie has three villains.
1: Much yeah, like, much like this movie. I don't think he's the the gimmicky villain, if you will. No, he would probably be the, like, if Riddler was the main villain of this movie, I would assume Hush would probably be the Penguin, where he is causing yeah. problems, he is an issue, but he's not the primary focus.
0: Well, it's funny, I think in terms of story function, he'd actually be more like the Riddler in that there'd be clues and stuff about that. There's who he is and there'd be a mystery. <laughs> uh, but in terms of screen time, in terms of importance in the story, he would be more that level versus, say... <laughs> Maybe it does have a Mr. Freeze. Maybe as a Joker in that movie. Maybe it has...
1: Honestly, I could see Hush perfectly coexisting with the Court of Owls storyline. Oh, I mean... Yeah,
0: because, because it's, that's all about the city's history and the family's mm-hmm. history. You could mix them together. Yeah, I could see that working. Yeah. Because, I mean,
1: even the original Court of Owls storyline had the um, Lincoln March character, which... You, c- you could kind of... Yeah, you could just mold that into Hush. Yeah. That's an easy changeover. That, that could be... Uh, you could
0: merge them together, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Uh... Yeah. And I think Reeves did say he was a fan of Court of Owls. I think I think passing did as well, actually. I mean,
1: I haven't caught up. I've I've always been trying to keep away from this movie that's as well, just in case it was great, so I didn't get spoiled with anything. That's totally fair, but I could see that. Mm-hmm. I mean they're using Court of Owls for that new
0: game that's coming out, uh the Gotham mm-hmm. Knights with all the other Bat family members. So that right. is something that we're starting to see be used in adaptations. So it wouldn't yeah. surprise me to see that in a movie. Um entirely possible. But uh I mean
1: it would I think if they're really focusing because they kept mentioning it throughout this entire movie of the difference between the haves and the have nots, mm. there would be nothing more than a super rich Uber society behind Gotham that Batman has to fight to therefore side on that side of things is is he with the haves or the have nots. I, I think that's perfectly fitting
0: in this character. The only concern I'd have with Hush admittedly merging him into the Lincoln March character would maybe solve this anyway, but is mm-hmm. that a part of Hush's character is very much uh, that Bruce had things that he didn't, right? There's a lot yep. of that going on from his character. And I feel like we already mm-hmm. did some of that with Riddler and some of their like exchanges. So I wouldn't yep. want to do that part again. But like we just suggested, if you make some of Link in March where he is kind of connected to the Court of Owls, but he's also trying to steal Bruce's life, uh, right. you could do something with that. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, there's possible teasing of Bane. There's possible Court of Owls. Like I say, Steampunk mm. Mr. Freeze is my number one one. I would also <laughs> love a Clayface story. And I think what could be fun about Clayface, if let's say he's in the third movie and it's like set some time later, you could actually show what some of his other villains look like by having Clayface pretend to be them before they true. reveal, oh, it's Clayface. Very true. And you get a glimpse of, say, a Mad Hatter before, oh, it's just
1: Clayface. But yeah. you see what Mad Hatter looks like. See, this is it's one of those things, it was the issue of the Nolan movies as well, where it's... He specifically picked villains that could exist with just real technology. It wasn't anything that had to be too outlandish. And, and clayface, I lo-
0: no, I admit clayface and croc are
1: obviously yeah. on the extreme end. I think steampunk
0: Mister Freeze is on that level because the 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 contact lenses that he has that record right those are yeah. obviously a little bit they're, they're not real they are slightly science fictiony technology but they're also yeah. but they're they're easy to grasp they're like okay it's just you understand the tech, you understand what contact lenses you can mm-hmm. you can buy that. Yeah, maybe not too far in the future. This is something. Oh yeah, um, no, for sure. And it doesn't explain it though, right? The Nolan films love to explain the the, the tech and the gadgets and stuff. Whether that's yeah. to your taste or not, it's another question. I feel like this movie though, because it just threw things like that out there, I do kind of believe, believe they would do like a steampunk Mr. Freeze and make it work.
1: I mean, I, I would have no problem with it. I trust the director as long as w as long as wb trusts the director i'm fine with him doing whatever he wants but it it is the issue of from my limited narrow mindset especially being knowing the actual mr freeze and like his whole backstory and everything like that there are very few ways i could see of making the character without just evolving him into something completely different but then again people would argue that's what happened to the riddler anyway And I like that version. So Mm. if it is evolving into something that I would consider to be completely different from Mr. Freeze, but is still faithful enough to the character that I like it, then I'm all down for it.
0: Mm. Hmm. There's obviously a lot of potential villains that you Mm. could or could not do. I I would like to see one that is a bit more, I guess, less grounded, right? So uh, Mr. Freeze Mm -hmm. is on the line of that. Croc, Clayface, Poison Ivy are at the extreme end Mm -hmm. where they have powers, where they are monstrous or something. Like, those kind of ideas. Uh, yeah. The other question is, Is do they do a Robin? And Pattinson did say that he'd be cool to do Robin in a sequel, but he did mm-hmm. caveat by saying, but only if he's 12. <laughs> which, obviously, as, as fans of the con, which we're like, yes, yes, 12-year-old yeah. Robin, do it.
1: <laughs> I can see it, but the, the only Robin it could be, just in terms of if uh, assuming that we're keeping with everything, is it has to be Jason Todd. We're not going to have the falling trapeze act. That wouldn't fit in this universe. Tim only exists yes, because th- of Dick's existence. W- Damien, there's no way they're going to give him a son. No. The only way it can exist is if someone is actually taking the hubcaps off of the Batmobile.
0: I, I agree that he fits in the world more, but my heart still says I want a proper Dick race and becoming Robin. I loving.
1: understand. I understand that. I get it. So, screw I'm gonna, it. Your heart's going to be broken no. somewhere along the no, line no, here. No,
0: no, no. I want... I want- <laughs> I mean, unless there's, like, an insane time gap for, like, movie three or four or something where... Oh, the whole Bat family exists now. We've got Nightwing, we got Batgirl, we got all these other characters.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't be... Because the way Batgirl's generally been made is that is she starts independently of yeah. the Bat family and then gets folded in. I wouldn't be opposed to a Robin existing like that. Of sure. someone is inspired by Batman doing this hopeful act at the end of this movie and goes out and wants to be their own version of the superhero, and Batman basically takes them has... Yeah, takes them in and it's just like stop putting yourself in danger. If you're going to do it, do it right, and then teaching them. Because one of the core things
0: I felt throughout this movie is a lot of the elements they do in this movie and they do them well is stuff that the other movies didn't even attempt and didn't want to do. Which is why I'm saying do a fantastical villain, or why I'm saying do a proper Robin, because that's the thing. Because yeah, there was a like the last two Schumacher movies. Yes, they did have a Robin. They had a Batgirl, but they they weren't real Robin. They weren't real Batgirl. (laughs) You know they were this, and I, the thing with Batgirl was they're doing like the HBO Max movie, which I don't think is connected. But like, no, y- you totally could like introduce the fact that this Gordon has a family and that he has a teenage daughter in the sequel or the third movie, and say, yeah. oh, she's a hacker and she's she's kind of inspired by Batman. Like she's starting to like kind of like be motivated yeah. to do similar things. But they probably wouldn't do that if they've got like a separate Batgirl movie because it would just be like too cross pollination, I guess
1: yeah i mean i'm hoping it's always a vague sort of hope that wb just because that's always been the thing of okay even since like smallville days you can do whatever you want but you can't touch batman batman Mm -hmm. is our special little property where if there are two batman running around at any given time the general audience will be confused and they just won't get it
0: and a similar vein to what you said about the robins like there's an argument for them to just go straight to another Batgirl, like uh, Steph, because she's the daughter of hmm. a villain. You know, Calculator's yeah. a sort of villain you could have, like, Batman taken down in the opening scene. You don't have to, like, give wasn't a plot it, with him. Wasn't he Cluemaster? Oh, sorry, Master, not Calculator. Yeah. Sorry. She she yeah. fought Calculator in, in her Batgirl run. Sorry, that's my right, uh, gotcha. that's a slip. But yeah, like so you could have him taking down Cluemaster as, like, a sort of small-time villain in the opening scene, right? And then yeah. introduced it. The, he has a daughter who wants to do good, and that would fit into the themes of the movie even cast to an extent this idea of someone who was trained by villains
1: i think from from a storytelling perspective i think the only way he's going to allow somebody else folded into his life and this is cynical but i feel like the only way is is if we lose alfred first i think he has Mm. to have that hole in his life that he then tries to fill with someone else
0: well i think that's where you go back to like you said you're going to have the 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 grayson's dying but I think mm-hmm. much like that scene at the start of this, where I connected to him looking at the kid who just lost his father. If yeah. you see, if he witnesses a kid lose their parents and they are alone, mm-hmm. because that, because this kid in this movie still has his mother at least, right? So he's not completely but- alone. But if this, if he, if there's a kid that is orphaned, like a Dick Grayson, I think that's how you do it. Is like he does reach out, and you make that be a story point, and This is the first time he's truly reaching out because he does relate to someone, and he says no. I have learned from my experience, I can make this, I can be something for them better than what I had, and I can mold them. And the idea that they want to then join in and fight crime is something that he can sort of, you know, that he can struggle with like, should I let them do that? Should I train them to be like me? Uh, and alfred mm-hmm. will have an opinion on that presumably that no what are you doing stop tra- yeah. training a child <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even want you to do this why are you letting somebody else <laughs> and you know you, you can play with those moral questions and th- this movie you know does tackle some of the, the core conceits of batman and has it what he inspires in others and his motivations and that mentality tackle those questions tackle should he let a kid be involved in this and why would alfred be okay with this like tackle that and like get us to a point where they do in some level accept that this kid wants to do this and batman understands that for this kid this is an avenue of therapy that he can get out yeah because one part of dick Vason's story that especially as he's gotten older in the comics is that he has ultimately become healthier than batman he is not as Mm -hmm. broody he is not as psychologically scarred by what's happened to him he is a much healthier person Partly because yeah. Batman was there to make sure he didn't turn into just another him.
1: Yeah, that was, I think it's uh, the Young Justice show. Um, there's, that always has the best way, I think, is the best way to look at how Batman views the Robins is, I think it's Wonder Woman asks him, like, oh, you brought in this boy, why? So he could become someone like you? And Batman responds, so that he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And I think if the if the movie decides to do that, I would be far more open to just, like any kid, yeah. whether it be Dick or Jason, whoever.
0: And this is a Batman who is, l- I mean, I, I wouldn't say this is movie two. This is at least movie three, I think. Because this is a Batman oh, yeah. who's learned a lot and is, is a bit more advanced. But uh, I mean,
1: okay, let me put this forward to okay, you. Okay. If it is Jason Todd, if we do that and he starts to, like, take this kid under Joker his wing. Joker kills him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Would that be okay? Would that, would that finally settle in the, like, okay, we got an actual Joker killing a Robin on screen for the first time. They, they they could do it, and I mean I don't know if they're
0: going to get like Patterson and Reeves to do more than three movies because I assume that's yeah. what the contract is. It'll be a three picture deal.
1: I've, he's at least been signed out for three. Yeah, I don't know if there's a renewal. Um,
0: but I mean the fourth movie or whatever could then be under the red hood. Yeah, you, know, you could do yeah. that uh, as yeah. a storyline. But that said, though, the one of the thrills is that if they do end after they do that, it's like well there's no bringing it back now because you're just ending you're all leaving so even, even if you yeah. do like another actor or something it's not the same franchise it's you know it's a new version yeah, totally
2: separate
0: uh, but yeah okay I we should fairly rate this movie we're, we're sort of got, okay. we're spiraling into just fan like theorizing what I wanted to try to get be. this
1: review to as long as the actual movie I anyway, that's I, my goal we've, here we've
0: hit it I think
1: we're, have we? I, thought it, I was going for three hours flat, but yeah, I think it is a few minutes short.
0: We're, we're, we're at 2.55, but the time we outro, it probably will be over three oh, yeah. hours. Yeah.
1: Everyone play this, move, play this while you're going to see the movie. <laughs> Wait, before we start,
0: David says, what sort of time do you think this will run? And I <laughs> and I said between 90 minutes and two hours, and we're hitting three hours. I should have known. You have I'd a be, lot to say. I'd be wrong. Uh, wonderful stuff, though. It's a wonderful yes. uh, so right. what are you going to rate The Batman out of
1: 10? <sighs> So, I mean, I really was sitting and wrestling with this after I first watched it because I wanted to have my rating that first night before I could just forget anything about it. And, I mean, if I were to take a stance of, like, a movie starts at five and then does good things to go up and bad things to go down, it'd be pretty high. But if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself, I would rate this movie starting at a 10 and then docking off anytime it does something that, like, annoys me. And going off that metric, honestly, I have to give it like a 9.5. This movie, the only thing that it really did to annoy me was the Joker scene. And like I said, everything else felt necessary. It felt prudence of the plot. I liked the story it was telling. I liked the world they were building. All the characters felt real and they all played off of each other. I There are a hundred different ways that they could have written this so that Batman and Falcone never really interact with each other, but I'm pretty sure Batman interacts with every character in this movie. Mm -hmm. And Catwoman does as well. And Gordon does as well. Everybody is, it's this web that's so smart and so well told the whole way through that. I can't fault anything about it, save for that one part that felt like a loose thread on this web. So 9.5 for me, as it comes down to technicals, everything's fantastic about it. I couldn't say anything bad about that. It's just great across the board. Yep. Yeah, no, it's just a great movie overall. And in terms of comparing it to the only other thing even up at that level to me, which is Dark Knight, I would say pretty equal footing. I think I need to see I've, I've seen Dark Knight at least a dozen times. Mm-hmm. I need to watch this a few more times to be able to say it whether it's above or below truly but the fact, that it's, the fact that it's hard point.
0: to say is a good thing though yes. like the fact yes, that it you is. have to have that internal debate is is a shockingly nice thing to say yes. um yeah for for me i think i'm tempted to just give it a flat nine right now uh yeah. until i can see it again and i can i can formulate my ideas on it but i like it as special to me that and there's something and part of it's just that like, you know the right creators are getting a hold of it but between the three nolan mm-hmm. films and this now there's like four amazing batman movies uh yeah. to varying degrees and i i love batman begins i love dark knight rises dark knight i think objectively is the best of the three although depending on my mood you might get me to say rises is my favorite uh but mm-hmm. only in my like it's not perfect but there's a lot of good things again if you go and see my review with connor uh of those movies I think we had a great discussion about Dark Knight Rises and about why I think that film is about Batman buying into his own ego and his own shit. Like, it's basically mm-hmm. him being brought back down to size and realizing that he isn't some superhero. Or he is, but yeah. he's not He's not Superman. He's, right. He is but a man who can make a difference, but he has to believe. So, it, like, anyway. Um, yeah, because I mean, Dark Knight, like, is a 10 for me. Like, I, I just, I give that a yeah. straight 10. Um mm-hmm. And this, for me, is sitting along my ratings of Begins and and Rises. I have to... I feel like I have to see it again before I can say, where does it place? Am am I putting it above those two and just under Dark Knight? Right. Yeah. I think I do like Dark Knight more.
1: But there's not much in it. And... it does also come down to a matter of length. Like I said, I've watched Dark Knight like a dozen times. I can't imagine putting this on a dozen times just because I don't have three-hour blocks I mean, to set aside all the time. You say that, but Dark Knight is like two
0: and a half hours. It's not like it's short. Yeah, fair. <laughs> like, The difference between two and a half and three hours
1: is pretty negligible at a certain point, to be honest. Yeah, I guess. Uh... But this is one of those movies, Dark Knight, I feel like I could just... Put on and I'll, I'll. It's so iconic. I have everything playing in my head just by audio alone. Sure. This sure. one I feel like is so. So many small details, so many little things that are put into the craftsmanship of it that it is genuinely hard to like take your eyes off the screen for any amount of time.
0: You know, this this is a, a gritty little character film, that is a study of Batman psychology. Whereas the Dark Knight is the Batman is is a symbol he like it's a battle of ideologies and the batman is an avatar for for order versus chaos and mm-hmm. you know people who are going to compare them and say oh this is better because batman you know like christian bale's batman is not as much of a character but he's not like the, the film functions differently what it's trying to do is very different and right. you can have a preference for what you prefer it to do but i think both this movie the batman and the dark knight are both exceptionally good and succeed at what they're aiming to do. And that is just, you know. There you go. Uh this yeah. might be the best version as a character of Batman. Like as mm-hmm. Batman as a character, this is probably the best version of him. But like I say, I probably prefer Gary Oldman's Garden and Heath Ledger's Joker than I do the Garden in this, who's good, but he's mm-hmm. not Gary Oldman's Garden. And like, Riddler and this is good, but he's not Heath Ledger's Joker. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, there's ups and downs to both. And, like, there's all these things. But what I'm saying is, is that they're both amazing for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And there's nuance there. And if you don't happen to like one of them, that's cool. But... Uh, At least we can all agree that Batman Forever is pretty good, right? <laughs> yes. But uh Batman v Superman is absolute trash, and Batman and Superman <laughs> and that are not those characters and it can burn in the fires of hell. Uh and like this this and all three of Nolan's films wipe the floor with that trash. I hated it. I left that movie angry. So there we go. That, that is the review. That is the, the review <laughs> of the
1: Batman. Did it <laughs> i mean everything i've been on has been significantly longer than the average review this is just what to expect now
0: <laughs> to be fair they're very, i mean the last time it was three movies so it, yeah. it had to be long and then this and snyder, the snyder cut. cut are both things we're very passionate about so yes, it's just very true it makes some sense <laughs> uh, i mean i don't expect i'm even going to bother to see the other comic book movies that are coming out this year in theaters mm-hmm. but I mean, if there's a temptation, maybe David
1: will come back to talk about I, it. I will pay whatever ticket I want to be able to have a night of Pete to myself. That's all I want. <laughs> oh, dear. Um,
0: we'll find reasons to do special one-off movie reviews here or there. Don't Sounds worry about good. it. It'll happen. <laughs> but uh, this has been The Batman. You can let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. Uh, I, I'm so glad that I am not editing this one because <laughs> I'm, I'm in the process right now of editing an almost two-hour review of Scream Five, and I'm just so glad I've not got another three-hour epic to edit. So I'm so happy yeah. about that. But let us know what you think of the movie in the comments. Like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications. All those things help out on YouTube a lot, so please hit the buttons. Of course, you can head over to Patreon, patreoncom tv and support all the content for as little well as a dollar per month. And get some bonuses for your trouble uh, of the regular movie podcast, streams After Midnight, and the Atomic Cinema Experiment, as well as some other bits and pieces. So go and have a look and see if you're interested in any of that. Uh, Otherwise, uh, that's pretty much... uh, I I suppose I should promote Comments from the Multiverse. Uh, If you happen to be into the comic books themselves, then go over to the Comments from the Multiverse channel and check out the weekly podcast that I do with uh, Matt and Connor talking about the new books a lot of them are batman related because it's dc they release a lot of batman books so Ahem. and you can also check out david's one-man show where he reads the new 52 books and
1: is miserable i assume only for the legion of superheroes and green arrow
0: mostly <laughs> <laughs> um well misery will come later because when you get when you get oh, to yeah. that, that back half of the new 52 you're going to be i think in some misery <laughs> Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so you go check out those. Uh, but that that is that is the show. Uh, you know, uh, get me on Twitter at wibble 89 if you want to uh, get me on there. I don't I know if David wants to promote his Twitter. I literally just use your Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. There you Hit go. Hit me up there. <laughs> That's the constant adverse verse Twitter, so yeah, go to that. Yep. Uh, at Screams Midnight for the uh, Mail Fuzz Movies Twitter in particular. Uh, I know it says at mails underscore fuzz. That's the, the mail fuzz TV channel's Twitter because uh, they both have mm-hmm. their own Twitters now. So that just—it's just occurred to me that I never changed the overlay
1: to address that. Yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> but uh, yes, at send us a tweet
1: somewhere and we'll get to
0: it. Yes, I, I we'll find this way mm-hmm. somehow, somewhere. Uh, but yeah, that is it. That's everything. I've promoted all the things I need to promote. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And if you can get it, it's always nice to have Diplomatic immunity.